The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, welcome back, boys and girls, The Brutal Nation. The podcast series is dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I am your illustrious host, the mighty, the powerful Oz. Oh, I'm sorry, no, my name is Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only. The, why are you giving me dead stare? That's what I was Tammy don't you Underwood. Know any other word besides illustrious? Oh, I know lots of words. The sexy. No. The porn star. <laughs> accurate words. Very accurate. No. The well hung. That wasn't accurate either. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. The talented. The handsome uh, why are you lying to these people not a lie i'm fucking awesome sometimes i mean last the, this last week i didn't feel so awesome because god damn like I, I was sick and then i'm at the tail end of it i'm just about ready to get better and then that fucking cough came back and it's not the rona like i, I wouldn't mind it if it was covid because then i would know right I'd be like, hey it's fucking covid and you know go the doctor and yeah, I have a friend who, whenever she gets sick like that, <coughs> that cough sometimes lasts her until March. <coughs> and it's not a lot. That's the thing. It's just enough to be fucking irritating. Yeah. Well, I hate it when I get that little tickle. <laughs> Shut up. Date bigger guys. I'm fucking, I don't it's, know what I'm saying. No, man. it's not like I'm choking. Uh huh. No, well, yeah, no you shit. Get that it's little a little tickle, tickle. <laughs> that you can't. No matter how much water or something you drink. It doesn't work, so you have to, like, suck on cough drops all day. You know it. You know what? I hate you. Oh, this is a whole new, different type of episode here. Jesus did Christ. Did you introduce me? I did. Right across from me is all one. The only giving me the dead stare and apparently gets little tickles in her throat <laughs> but doesn't choke. Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. <laughs> all right, boys and girls. So today is part two of Marcel Patois. I have him as Marcel the Twat, by the way. I always think of... <laughs> I think of him as Marcel the Twat. <laughs> yeah, he is a twat. Yeah, that's what he's uh, listed on the track as. All right, so can continue on with your story. Okay, so anyways, we left off... Well, because, you know, he's that psycho guy who... Um, no, you don't say not like all the other serial killers. That no, he's featured. the dumbass okay. who actually was in a mental institution... And everything um, for a while. Um, did I really leave off there? That wasn't very far into it. What? Oh, that's right, because we had to restart like 10 times. Because of you. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> now, did I get to the part where he was in the military? Or was that before we got cut off? I and then... honestly can't remember. Yeah, me neither. It had to have been because I put part one, and that's the only one I have. Okay. Woo, shit. So, anyways, um, now we're getting to the point where, because he had been expelled from several schools. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now he's going into the military. Um, so, when he graduated from school, the First World War was full effect. Right? Full effect. Full effect. So, by January 1916, he had been drafted to serve in the French infantry. Uh, By November of that same year, he was sent to fight on the front lines. 
Um, six months later, his regiment was in battle when he was both gassed and wounded with a grenade. Um, I gassed my son yesterday because I had bathroom issues. I crop dusted him like probably four times. Poor guy. I'm surprised he's still alive, to be honest. <laughs> what a trooper. Yeah. So after that grenade incident, he was sent to the infirmary, obviously. Um, although his wounds healed, he started presenting signs of mental illness at so that point. So he didn't just jump up like Monty Python and go, Tis but a flesh wound. No. Okay. Or, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine. Yeah. Sir, your arm's missing and you've been gassed. You look like you've been poisoned. <laughs> no, nah, it's nothing. I, I nah. grew up with older brothers, man. I got crop dusted every day. Dude, growing up with older male cousins was horrible. Not only did they fart on me, they... One of them did the typewriter all the time until I peed my pants. Or tickled me until I peed my pants. That and is, then told on me for peeing my pants. And I got in trouble. That explains why you still pee your pants now. I okay. do not pee my pants. Get, Although there are some times. No, You've got to get deeper into your psyche over your your. your you don't have time. Bedwetting. I don't bedwet. Okay. Whatever. Continue. Anymore. <laughs> not in two so, days. Um, where was I? Oh, as a result of this, he... Um, had several stays at various uh, rest homes and mental health clinics. Um, during one of those stays, he actually tried to steal some blankets and he ended up in the Orleans, uh, isn't it called? Uh, 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 I can't think of what the word for jail is over there. Probably La Jail. No, it's not. <laughs> it's Bastille. The jail. Before, <laughs> no, before being transferred to a separate psychiatric ward. Um, while he was on the psychiatric ward, the doctors gave him another psychological evaluation. This one said he suffered from mental disequilibrium, which is a mental imbalance, neuroesthetic. Thinia, which is a combination of headaches, fatigue, irritability that's often associated with the emotionally disturbed. That explains a lot about me. I know. Because I am always pissed. And you do have <laughs> mental disequilibrium. You have a mental imbalance. I do. It's me- the mental imbalance. <gasps> the, uh, the, the, actual, so much. the actual technical term for it is. Crazy as fuck? No. Tammy Lasquatch. Is that in the DDSM? That's that, yeah. That's that's in the D, uh, the DSM. Oh, did I see? Yeah, I did say DD. My bad. Yeah. That is definitely. Anywho, it. it says right there it has a big picture of you going ah like a Sasquatch, and has a big picture of me with just this look on my face like I'm fainting. Ah, yeah. That's that's it right like there. Like the delicate flower you are. I am. I'm a delicate flower in bloom. You just <laughs> so. <laughs> My uh, my ex wife used to get pissed off because I would roll up in Which the covers. One? The last one. Oh. And she, why do you curl up like that and take you know the covers? Because we had to sleep with two separate blankets at one at a few points. Because it's cold, and I'm wrapping it like a scutter like a scutter pillar. And when I come out in the morning, I'll be a beautiful scutter fly. <laughs> I was thinking you wrap yourself up like a fucking burrito. <laughs> Why? So somebody they can have eat me? burrito blankets on Wish. I am so want to get you one. So that somebody can eat me? <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> Dig for the sausage. <laughs> I, I can't stand burritos. I don't like the beans. I love burritos, man. 
Beans are bomb. Thank you. I don't like refry. I don't like beans, period. I mean, I'll eat them in chili and stuff, but I'm not a big bean fan. I love beans. Anyway, go on with your fucking Marcel de Twad in a mental hospital and shit like that. Mental depression, melancholia, which is, you know, just a little blue, obsessions and phobias. This once again resulted in the judge ruling him not guilty by reason of insanity. Because, you know, he's got that little history there. Mm -hmm. Um. Despite the complexity of this diagnosis, Patois was not excused from his military duties. In fact, he once again found himself on the front lines by June of 1918. Almost as soon as he was transferred back there, though, um, he suffered some kind of a nervous breakdown. It's in quotes. And he wound up shooting himself in his foot. In his own foot. The same. Like Barney Fife, yeah. Barney Fife. Oh, he did that all the time. Yeah, that's why he, only, he was only allowed to carry was, one bullet. It was always so funny because he always shot himself in the foot or discharged his gun, but he never seemed to get hurt, ever. That's because it's Don Knotts, man. Okay, hold on. We have some younger listeners. If you don't know what we're talking about, look up the Andy Griffith Show. Look up Don Knotts. He's Don hilarious. Knotts. Fucking hilarious. The Incredible Mr. Limpet, Three's Company, The Andy Griffith Show... Oh, that's right. He was in Three's Company, wasn't he? Was it the, the Applegate Gang or something like something that? Something like that. From Disney. A lot of good, funny, like, family-oriented humor. Hilarious. Very, he and he was even on clean. Scooby-Doo. Was he? Yeah, he was on an episode of Scooby-Doo. Just one? Yeah, just one. Well, just like everybody, like the Harlem Globetrotters actually made two or three on Scooby-Doo, but, you know, everybody else, like, Sonny and Cher, been on Scooby-Doo, um, Jerry Reed. Uh, Dick Clark was actually... No, Casey Kasem. Is the, is the voice of Shaggy. Yeah, which is weird because he doesn't have that like. Oh, no, it isn't. I knew it was him the first time I heard him because Shaggy sounds like, and now for the top 40. No, he sounds like, I can't do it. Uh, fuck. And if you don't know what the top 40 is, look that up. No shit, man. Dude, everybody knew what the top 40 was. We need to have like day. a whole entire podcast dedicated to translating. Dude, on the, basically on the 80s and early 90s. Right. 80s and 90s into current. Oh, I know. Because, <laughs> I mean, shit. people who have never like experienced the hairband era oh, do not yeah. know what they're missing. <laughs> no shit. Like when John Bon Jovi actually had huge hair. Oh, God, yes. Living on a prayer? Dude, and um, John Bon Jovi, Slash still has huge hair, though. He's got those, like, Afro ringlets going on. Like a jerry curl. (laughs) Anyways, I love his hair. Um, Never mind. (laughs) Let's see here. Shot himself in the foot. When he was transferred back behind the front line in July, Patois was at a railroad depot in Dijon. Asking for some grape coupon. As if he wanted some mustard. <laughs> when he went into convulsions. And so he laid there unconscious in the depot for the better part of a day. And no, I think people just like, oh, some hobo. <laughs> Drunk ass guy laying on the floor. He is French. We expect that. We just walk by him. <laughs> yeah. After he experienced that episode, he was granted a three week leave. But Jesus, by no getting out of the fucking French army, is there? I guess not. He blew up over his arms, and he is crazy. Get back out there and fight. <laughs> yeah. Here's a croissant. 
croissant. <laughs> Fuck, man. I would think, like, seriously, man. Like, and a pity for. If if you're falling over and you're passing out and you're going into convulsions, you've been in a mental ward, you're having all these fucking problems. Somebody should have, even though it's eighteen nineteen or nineteen nineteen eighteen, somebody should have stepped up and said, oh, look, "This dude's fucked up, man." Dude, he should have been discharged from the military with that fucking his mental disorders. Yeah, they should have said, "Dude, go home and chill out because you're a whole sack of nuts." Yeah. <coughs> so after he okay, so but by eight. By uh, September of 1918, he was reassigned to a new regiment. By 19, March of 1919, he was sent back to a hospital at Reigns, R-E-N-N-E-S. Reigns. Okay, that's what I was right. When he started displaying, quote, erratic behavior and cl- complaining of frequent headaches. Oh. Yeah, but who knows if he's telling the truth. During this stay, he fought... The following diagnoses were added to his growing list. He was experiencing amnesia, sleepwalking, increased depression, and suicidal tendencies. Okay, so he had a band. And I can relate to the amnesia because I would love to have amnesia with half the conversations you and I have. I would love to have amnesia with almost all the conversations you and I have. Especially when I wake up and I'm all turned on. Mm, gotta touch myself a little bit and I call you up and say, do you have any pictures of your mom? And you're like, knock it off, you're an asshole. God damn it, man. I'm not saying naked pictures, I've already got those. I want them with their clothes on. No, you always say naked pictures of your mom. Do you have some more? I don't have any. <laughs> not anymore, you don't. <laughs> you're a dick. Yeah, I'd be racing. No, I'm kidding. I used to have one of her open belly wound. That was gross. <laughs> That's hot. That was disgusting. Now, these additional diagnoses were finally enough to warrant a discharge from the military. So, yeah. So, in July of 1919, Patois received a medical discharge with about a 40% disability pension. Um, That's it? Yeah. Oh, wait. He did uh, appeal the case around September of 1920. And his pension was increased to a full 100%. Yeah, no shit, man. Like, I know some vets who don't even have even a quarter of what's going on with Patois who gets 100%. You know, he's he's got a ton. Okay, so the more you tell me about what's wrong with him, the more I'm actually sympathizing with him. And I'll tell you why, because he's got a shit ton of problems, man. Shit ton. And yeah. that's back before mental health well, really had a... Even even barring that, right? Mm-hmm. Even even taking that into consideration, he's pa- he's he's passing out. Mm-hmm. He's sleepwalking. He has amnesia. He's got all these mental disorders. He shot himself in the fucking foot. He's been in a nut hut. Well, I've heard a lot of soldiers shoot themselves in the foot. He's got he- constant headaches. And, and all these problems, and they're still sitting there going, "Ah, forty percent, fuck him, <laughs> dude, man, fuck you." Have a brother out there, man. Jesus Christ. Can <laughs> a brother get no love? You're fine. Go back out there and fight, you crazy goof, you. <laughs> You'll be fine. It's not, a, it's not, it's only a flesh wound. Yeah. So, um, after giving him that 100% ink up to 100%, um, they also strongly. 
kindly suggested that he admit himself to an asylum for treatment. Oh, okay. So that that's actually, I agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because about fucking time they said, huh, look, you need to be in a nut hut because you're kind of nuts. Yeah. Well, you kinda know, whole bunch. by that time he actually was in a mental hospital, Scott. Um, however, he wasn't a patient. He took advantage of an accelerated program, which offered war veterans, that was offered to war veterans, um, and he was able to complete a medical school, his medical school studies in as little as eight months. Eight. Okay. Stop right fucking there. I know. He didn't have to go through the four years of internship and residency and... I like my doctors, okay? My favorite being the one that I had. That was Dr. Coffee. Surgery. Dr. Coffee. Love Dr. Coffee. However, and he was he was a, just a nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. But if Dr. Coffee came to me and said, hey, Scott, how's it going? By the way, I graduated in eight months. I'd be like, no, no, dude, no, you're, you're cool as shit, but um, no. Get back on that pole with Cherry Love. <laughs> yes, that's right. You might want to be pole dancing with that chick I told you about, Cherry Love. Um, you know, and uh, no, get me a real doctor. Get me a real fucking doctor. But I was the top of my class. Don't fucking care. <laughs> and, I don't care if you're fucking Doogie Howser. Because, because uh, that's just how my mind works, though. Because I believe that no matter what your trade is, mm-hmm. you can't learn everything that's prudent to your trade in under a year. Unless you're doing something stupid like um, maybe picking up garbage or something. You know, something simple. But we're talking like metal, like guitar playing. You're not going to learn things like scales and modes and um, even first position chords. You looked at me weird. No, it's okay. Uh, okay, scales? I know what scales are. Okay. I was in band. Okay, do you know what modes are? No. Okay, so the modes is playing that same scale, but at different octaves up on the neck. Oh, okay, yeah. So if let's say you're playing a, a D scale, mm-hmm. which is played uh, you're, uh, off the fifth fret, okay, you can also play that off of the seventh. Oh, okay. You just move it up. Gotcha. Um, that's that's a mode, and it's gotcha. it's, uh, it's way simpler than what you think. People go mode. Oh my god, I'm confused. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty fucking easy. Oh. Um, you yeah, because I was actually the first one in summer band practice band lessons one time to complete the chromatic scale. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's every half. Yeah, I mean, yeah. every sharp and flat, too. Right, right, right. Yeah. But um, so no, no matter what you do, like even, I don't know, let's say a contractor mm-hmm. building houses. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go to school for eight months and know how to build a fucking house. True. Just not. Much less, now you're dealing with a human life. Yeah, because apprenticeships are like for a couple of years. I wouldn't trust a vet. Oh, no, me neither. That graduated, even with a mouse. Hey, I'm your vet. I want to work on your mouse here. Check him out. You know? No, and, I, mean, uh, I mean, vet techs even need experience. Took me, it took me eight months. We, you ain't checking out my animals. Fuck you. Kiss my ass. So eight fucking months, and he's working yeah. in a nut hut. Which, yeah. on top of everything else, if you if you if you get your medical degree and you're working in a nut hut, you have so many other variables. Mm-hmm. You don't just have physical variables there, like hey, I feel sick, or you know, this looks infected. You got like, hey, I feel sick, but the voices in my head say murder everybody and <laughs> to piss on your face. Yeah, yeah, because at that time he was in his two year psych rotation. Yeah. Uh, I am fucking terrified of even hearing this. Yeah. So on December 15th, 
1921, Patois, Patois, excuse me, received his official degree in medicine from the Faculté de Médecine de Paris. Okay, Faculté de Médecine Paris, you suck. I wonder if they're still open. No, <laughs> no, I fucking hope not. If you are open, close your doors. Just well, for the I don't think they have that, that, that program anymore, but still. I can hope not. So, Jesus yeah, fucking Christ. This, fully, this full-fledged psychotic was now also a fully credited physician. That old saying, it's like letting the fox run the hen house. <laughs> Just saying. But, yeah. but. On the other hand, who knows being a nut job better than a nut? This is true. But he didn't just practice nuts. He was like literally <laughs> a physician. I know a lot of people that practice nuts. <laughs> Gargling. Dude, your man whores do not count. Your little, you know, boy toys <laughs> that you pick up in Thailand, Singapore. No. That would only be Patrick Kearney. I tell you what. I don't think he's a man whore, but okay. No, I'm he's not, but I tell that. you what. I'm in love with him. I'm so sad that I haven't gotten a, his weekly letter. That's i got to write him and say. Well, it is the holidays. and doesn't matter. Maybe he's busy. They have programs there for holidays and shit. He should not be too busy to send me his weekly letter. That's true. It's, it's me. Like every other week, though. Now i got to write him an actual love letter. Dear Patrick. I miss you. I miss you so did much. Did I say something to piss you off? Did I have such a sweetheart? He didn't die, did he? Don't did even you fucking check joke. That? Don't even fucking joke. No, don't even fucking joke about that. Yeah. That will break my fucking heart. I didn't receive any news breaks, and I think I would have. You would think. All right. So before we get off track, because we do this a lot, like we get off track, and it's because of me. I'm not even blaming you. It's totally me because of how my brain works in big circles. Yeah, because I was going along just fine, and you stopped me. I, I realize that, and this is for our listeners, too, so you don't think that I do this on purpose. Here's how my brain works. I could be having a normal fucking conversation, okay? Let's say about, yeah, okay. You don't I'll, know how to have a normal conversation. I was driving on 26, and I was near the Vista Ridge Tunnel, and uh, then traffic came to the stop. Hey, I was in bad traffic when I was, like, in New Jersey going through the Lincoln Tunnel, you know, and it was, it was I horrible. I wonder if it's related. Yeah, I wonder if, it, you know, I was, it was backed up for, like, hours and hours. Then it started to rain. Speaking of rain, I hate it when it rains really hard, because then uh, sometimes I forget my jacket. It was boring yesterday. My brain just works a big. Fucking circles because I'm crazy. You said it. Oh, I know I'm crazy. So, after he received his... Sorry, I was eating a coffee cake. After he received his medical degree, Patois moved to an ancient village along the Yon River. Mm -hmm. Y-O-N-N-E. The village was Villeneuve sur Yon. Not Sir, S-I-R, but S-U-R. Mm-hmm. Uh, Serion. Serion, uh, which was approximately 25 miles from his original hometown. Immediately upon arriving in this village, this 25-year-old man decided to play Shipman, <laughs> Harold Shipman, and he set about printing up flyers that clearly had him comparing himself to the other two more experienced doctors that were already established there. I think you already read that in the no, last episode. No, because we had to restart, remember? I oh, was yeah, almost no, okay, well, yeah, done. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. My bad. Yeah. So after... Oh, I already just read that. Um, so here's a quote. This is exactly what the flyer said. Dr. Patois is young 
and only a young doctor can keep up to date on the latest methods born of progress, which marches with giant strides. Dude, he was very eloquent. This is why intelligent patients have confidence in him. Dr. Patois treats but does not exploit his patients. I have to agree. No, he just killed him. No, no, no. Let, let me explain why that kind of makes sense. A little bit, yeah. So in any industry, it's really easy to become really complacent mm -hmm. in what you do. And if mm -hmm. we did record this on the episode, then I'm just repeating myself. But I still No, we true. did have to redo it, remember? Okay. But, but um, so let's take auto mechanics. Yep. Okay, like I had a I had a shop for a little while, um, and I could fix older cars and shit like that. However, even when I like, let's take my truck, mm -hmm. brand new truck. Mm -hmm. I can't work on it. Yeah, because everything's computerized now. I don't. My brain isn't in that. Yeah, you can't go in and just tinker. You have to like diagnose. And That's why shit. they don't have mechanics anymore. They have techs. Um, so I would imagine that being a doctor is the same way. It's you're. You, you get all this information, mm -hmm. and as it's getting upgraded, like, hey, right. like um, we said that doing this procedure this way mm -hmm. was good, but, hey, we found out it's bad. It's really hard once you've been doing something repetitively over and over and over again go, oh, Yeah, because you take shortcuts then, too. Yeah. Yeah. To you kind of change your whole methodology. Yeah. Well, and I had mentioned, well, before we got erased that episode, which, you know, you're, you're not allowed to touch shit. Um, I might want to move the cursor away from the I know. restart button. <laughs> you had it right there. Yeah, I did. Um, everywhere except for Oregon, we, my mom and I realized um, that you have to have continuing education in the health field. Like doctors and nurses and stuff had to keep every year, every other year, they right. had to have so many hours of continued education. So do lawyers and accountants. See, in Oregon, you don't have to have that. Oh. Which is really weird because when we were looking, this is we realized this when we were planning on going back to Iowa a couple of years ago. Um, that if she wanted, because she was licensed in Iowa originally, but if she wanted to get her license in Iowa again, she had to go through all of those years of continued education. Yeah. So she was <laughs> like, um, no, not at all. Um, so, anyways, the patients that came to see. Dr. Patois often described him as being very charming, which increases popularity. Just like me. Very which charming. I love a charming doctor. My ortho is very charming. He's, he's amazing. He's so funny. So, however, unbeknownst to these same patients, he had signed them up to receive medical assistance from the state. So he effectively guaranteed he would be paid Twice for every treatment he administered. He would first receive the patient uh, payment from the patient when services were rendered. And then he was paid a second time when the government reimbursed him. Okay. That's a little bit greedy there, Marcel the Twat. Yeah, um, a little bit. But then, yeah. you know, Harold Shipman forged wills so that he could get people's estate. So... That is true. Which he actually went out and bought a typewriter for. But, you know, and then had the nerve to send it to her daughter, who was a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I love geniuses. Yeah. Or ones that think they're smart. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It seems, you know, ever notice that when they think they're smart, they're dumb as fuck? I think I brought that up before. The, the ones who think that they're smarter than everybody else, when you're, when you're doing your research on them, you look at okay, I see what you think, but the reality is, yeah, dude. Because the first words out of your mouth are like, that makes no fucking sense. Yeah, it's like, I've had turds smarter than you did, buddy. <laughs> and I flushed those. <laughs> and I flushed those motherfuckers. Yeah. You're dumb as shit. Yeah, well, just like the the um, the teenagers that I did last week, uh, can't remember their fucking names. They were they were geniuses book wise. Uh, Leopold and Loeb. Yeah, and they thought that they were so smart, and, you know, uh, like to pull off the perfect crime. And they came from affluent families, but in reality, as I'm researching them, shaking my head, going, "Dude, you both are like one step away yeah. from being a, uh, you're, you're, you guys are window lickers. That's what you are. You guys need fucking helmets." <laughs> well, yeah. They're totally retarded. Well, and the sad part is, is no matter how good you are at crimes, I mean, except for Dexter, he knew how to clean them up, but you always, everybody leaves DNA. Yeah. Whether you touch, I mean, it's like, no matter what, well, you're leaving something, you're taking something with you. Well, in Leopold and Lope's time, there was no DNA matching right, or, but, or anything like that. But I meant not just DNA, but forensics, period, you know, because... You, I mean, I've seen that people get busted because the cops took the mud from their mud flaps. What cracks me up is even in older cases when, because mm-hmm. uh, like nowadays, if somebody gets popped around, no, I'm innocent. I didn't do that. Blah blah blah. Uh, but back, like in the, uh, I, I would say like the '70s on back. When they finally go, we think that you killed these people over here. <laughs> oh, fuck, you caught me. Son of a bitch. Okay, let me walk you through step by step. First, I abducted her, okay, off the side of the street, stabbed her 47 times, and I buried 50 bodies. Dude, we just, we're going to give you a parking ticket. And what the fuck? I know. A lot of them just start, like, fucking diarrhea of the mouth. Yeah, they're like, you know, uh, we, we just wanted you to, like, not to not to park here, but yeah. now you're fucking That's how them. they caught Berkowitz. Yeah, I kept. That, that's right. He mm-hmm. got pulled over or some shit, huh? Yeah. No. Well, they found out he had a uh, history of parking violations oh, that was in that it. Yeah, area. I remember. Yeah, parking yeah. tickets. Yeah. <laughs> just fucking, Go figure. It just cracks me up with yeah. some of these. Put some fucking money in the meter, dumbass. No shit. Walk down, feed the meter, and go, huh, I'm good to go. Don't get parking tickets, yeah. dumbass. We don't have meters in our town anymore. We only have them in Portland. That's the same Portland you do, and they're not even old parking meters anymore. you got to go to that little kiosk. Yeah, and, and then they don't have them sometimes on that block. You have to walk three blocks three to blocks. get it, and by the time you get back, you got a fucking parking ticket. Mm-hmm. So it seems Patois also preferred to dip, prescribe highly addictive narcotics to all of his patients. Shit, he's not even my doctor. I Fuck. know. Once he wrote, he even once wrote a child a prescription for a near-fatal dose of one of those narcotics. And the pharmacist lodged a complaint because the pharmacist was like, why is he? Why is this child getting this high a dose? Well, if he's that greedy, he's going to get these double-dipping. Might as well get some return customers. I mean, think about think about your normal junkie, man. Oh, if, no shit, yo. If I'm supplying you with your weight that you're going to get your fix, man, you're going to be coming back. I'll suck your dick for some morphine. Dude, I know people who go to the hospital just, well, it's not Vicod anymore. It's called Norco. But just to get that. And it's like, that is nothing. Yeah. That's... That is like freaking, no. You might as well just take fucking ibuprofen. <laughs> it's nothing. <laughs> so um, in response to the pharmacist's complaint... Patois stated, and I'm going to quote him, what difference, and you're going to love this one, literally, what difference does it make to you anyway? 
isn't it better to do away with this kid who's not doing anything in the world but pestering his mother? <laughs> I take back everything I said about you, Marcel. You are no normal. You, you are now my hero. Dude, you are now my fucking hero. I, I agree. <laughs> I wasn't going to quote it, but I was like, oh, Scott will love that one. Scott will relate. He will totally relate to that. 100%, man. Because it's not that I hate all kids, okay? I just hate most of them. Mm-hmm. Most. Because most kids are little fucking assholes. Yeah. You know, some kids well, are cool. Actually, I blame that mostly on the parents because the parents don't discipline anymore. No, and, and I agree. I, you know, I've, I've said time and time again, I'll be out in Walmart or Safeway yeah. or something like that. You'll see a kid tearing up a store and you go, please, Billy, stop. Please, you're going to get a timeout. Oh, come on, you're giving mommy a headache. Come on, won't you be good? I'll buy you whatever you want. The kid's like, fuck you. I just want to tear up shit. Yeah. And what what Billy needs is a little bump to the back of his head. I'm not saying slug your kid. No. A little pop. Little just bump. give slap him a little bit. Yeah. Then you look at him and go, look here, you little fuck. Well, see, you don't knock it back off. in our day... We weren't just afraid of our parents. We were afraid of everybody because oh, yeah. ev- our parents, it didn't matter if our parents saw us or not, everybody had permission to beat our ass. Don't shoot you. Yeah. I mean, my son, he grew up, I mean, I, like I said, I only swatted my son like three times his entire life. But my son also knew if he was out with people that I knew, like if I entrusted him in somebody's care, they fully had permission to swat his butt if need be. And none of my friends ever had to do it. See, I, never, I love telling this story time and time again about Jake. The one temper tantrum he threw in public. We were in a Rite Aid. I was going to pick up a prescription. I had to pick him up some ear stuff uh, and then meet my normal pills. And he threw himself down. And I just looked at him and said, is that how you really want this to play out, boy? I was going to say, did you get your dad's Southern Georgia accent uh-huh. in And that? he looked at me and said, uh, no, daddy. And I said, get up off the floor. Mm-hmm. We're going to, okay. Total time. Total time. Under 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. Because you know what he wasn't going to do? He's not tearing apart the fucking store. And I'm not going to sit there and, 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 and fucking uh, go, please stop. You're giving me a headache. I understand please. you're upset right now, but we will discuss <laughs> this. No, the one, I mean, my son, like, threw one temper tantrum in the store, too. And I literally left a full cart of groceries in the middle of the aisle, walked out, said, I'm sorry for doing this. I told somebody, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I left this over there. We need to go. And as I put him in the car, I said, when we get home, you're getting a SWAT. And he goes, okay. And then all the way home, he was like, please, mommy, don't spank me. I said, but, you know, you mm-hmm. acted out when I told you not to. He goes, I know I did. I'm so sorry. But, yeah. My favorite thing to tell Jake always was, what size is my foot? Size 13. Yeah, it's going to be in your ass. Knock it off. Yeah. And I would often discipline my son by taking things away. But I would always say to him, I would let him pick it. I'd be like, okay, this is what you did. I'm going to do this. How long do you want it? Do you want it for five days or seven days? And oh, yeah. nine times out of ten, he picked the longer date. See, and I'm lucky, man, because my son's a big kid. He can kick my ass, and I know that. I oh, know my that son can kick my ass. He's knocked me down a couple of times <laughs> recently. I know Jake can take me out. I don't even doubt that for a fucking minute. Anyway, yeah. go on with uh, I could take you with out. my new no. friend, Marcel, because Marcel, yeah. you are a hero, yeah. man. Well, he says some more shit later that I just couldn't believe he said. <laughs> so in his personal life, though, he actually continued to be a loner. Because remember, he was a loner growing up. He often turned the most casual of conversations, like Shipman, into a debate. Oh, okay. Yeah. A debate where he would always insist on having the last word. Oh my God, it's like 99% of the women that I know. It's like you. Not me. Nope. 
No, 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 no. Oh, which reminds me, I didn't talk to you about something after this. But although he lived... My sexiness and your mom wanting to date me? Not even close. Although he lived... (laughs) Way off, buddy. So although he lived somewhat modestly, he did splurge a little, little when he actually went out and bought a sports car. Which I can understand. I mean, I I want a freaking couple of nice. I want a nice old old like '67 Mustang. That'd be hot, yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. I kind of want cherry red, but I'll settle for a blue one. I want whatever will you know get teenage girls to jump in. Dude, I want an old one with the like bench seat, leather seats with the old like AM radio. <laughs> you know, the push button things that Those you had to awesome. hope you got it in the area. I want an 8-track, but that's just me. Oh, anyway, dude, an 8-track. I loved those. I used to have an 8-track console thing. But um, after receiving the car, though, he became well-known around town for driving it around the village recklessly. In fact, he was the cause of quite a few accidents. I can't fault him for that. But I don't think he actually wrecked his car. I think he just caused the accidents, like the Grinch. <laughs> he was he was aiming for those little bratty kids that are just a burden. Yeah, that are pestering their mother. Pestering their fucking <laughs> folks. You know what, Marcel? That's good work, buddy. That is good work. Yeah. That's off to you. Yeah, he'd also become... This or in your case, berets off. <laughs> Bonjour. Shut up. Um, um, he'd also this highly respected quote, respected doctor, had also become an adept thief. And he stole from everyone, whether they were strangers or relatives. In fact, whenever he went to visit his brother Maurice, before he left, Maurice would actually search his person to make sure nothing left the house with patois that wasn't supposed to. You said patois. That's but awesome. I did because... I guess he won't. No, because I have Marie, you in my Marcel. head. This the, wall, Marcel, it's time for the pat down. Yeah, just oh, like, there is my watch and my wallet. I had to keep watching myself when we did Saldivar, too, because I kept wanting to say salad bar. Two of my kids are in there, my condoms. <laughs> <laughs> my good china, my, my good china. silverware. Why do you have my wife's panties on? That is not right. That is not right, Marcel. That is it's not, it's, that it's not, not Bruto. Shut up. That is not same, same. That is different. Different. <laughs> Yeah, once he actually stole some furniture and fixtures from one of the places he was renting. How the fuck do you get that in your pants and walk no, out? At, and which resulted in the landlord evicting him for theft. When he, the landlord threatened to take him to court to recoup the losses, he simply shrugged his shoulders and said something to the effect of a certified lunatic could never be convicted. So he'd already knew that no matter uh-huh. what he did, he wouldn't go to jail. See, I like him. And let me tell you why. He's thinking shit through. Oh, no shit. I mean, I I should go commit crimes because I'm a certified nut job. I like him, man. He, he he knows his defense already. It's already been proven. It's established. Mm-hmm. You know? He's like fucking like the Pink Panther thief and shit going on. And dun-dun, 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 all he needs is Inspector Clouseau, who was also French. Yeah. Or what's his name? Um, uh, Perot from the old Agatha Christie movie shows I and books. I remember those. He's always got that. He always has that air of sophistication. <laughs> but um, so in March of 1922, Patois had a disagreement with the commission... De Reform, Commission de Reform, 
when they the demanded that, yeah, that he undergo new psychiatric evaluations in order to maintain receiving his disability pension, which I don't understand why he was receiving full disability if he had a job and That's, was a yeah. doctor. Maybe it's different in France. Well, but then I've also heard military pensions doesn't matter. I don't know. Yeah, fuck if I know. Yeah. So um, he emphatically stated that, quote, he purely and simply refused to accept any disability pension at all as to avoid being subjected to that. I find a more than disagreeable bit of exhibitionism. I like exhibitionism. Is that what it's called? Ah, okay. Um, nevertheless, he checked, his checks continued to arrive because he was like, I'll just stop receiving them. And he was subjected to actually one more examination in July of 1923. During that exam, the doctors noted that his tongue had developed scars as a result of him biting down during his seizures. Which, makes sense, yeah. yeah which makes, makes perfect sense, yeah. because yeah. I had a friend who had grand mal seizures, and she was constantly, I mean, she would wake up from, I mean, come to, and her tongue would just be bloody. Right, right, right. Yeah, and they said that he had just, uh, that he displayed an attitude of, quote, total indifference when he came to his own future, even so he received a 50% deduction. No, okay, fair enough. I mean, he's already yeah, making money. Exactly. He's already double dipping. He's getting the check from yeah, the government. He's stealing shit. He's stealing shit. He's all Pink Panther in it. And Inspector Gluzo is on this trail. Isn't the Pink Panther a diamond and not actually the Pink Panther? Yeah, it's actually a diamond. Say. Yeah. Um, so he surprised, Patois surprised everyone around 1926 when he began having a torrid love affair, because, you know, he was a loner, with a lady by the name of Louise Delevaux, D-E-L-E-V-E-A-U, Delevaux. Delevaux. Uh, Hello, she was, Louise. Yeah. How are you doing? She was the daughter of one of his elderly patients named Madame Fleury, F-L-E-U-R-Y. Dude, you should have gone from Madame Fleury. She sounds hot. Not long after these two started their affair, the Fleury residence was broken into and then set on fire. You don't say. I would have never have guessed that he would have stolen from them. But the fire part kind of surprised me. Yeah, no, that a little bit, yeah. But, yeah. you know, you're, you're breaking in. You're smoking the French cigarette. So it is very, very long on your cigarette holder. And you're like... I need somebody to stand behind me and just push pressure on that spot. We are stealing from the madame. <laughs> With this long, like that long stick filter, like that is from right. breakfast at Tiffany's. That is right. And you look at I them and go, those. but at least I am not American. Is that their way of smoking a light cigarette back then? <laughs> Instead of the no filter? <laughs> Two-pack camel no filter. Continue on. I am listening. <laughs> You're so in, stupid. Filthy American. Then, in 1926, I'm going to go, Louise vanished. Nobody really connected the two events. However, Patois was a suspect in that disappearance. Which, of course, he would because he's yeah. her lover. Yeah. I mean, that's common. I mean, Emma. I mean, that's standard operating procedure. SOP. SOP. It's a SOP. Um, that suspicion grew grew when a large trunk was pulled from the river a few, a few weeks later that contained the decomposed remains of a dismembered young female. 
The female would never be identified, but Patois' neighbors said that they had seen him loading a trunk into the back of his car a couple weeks prior to that, and the trunk, they said, eerily resembled the one that was fished out of the river. You do not know what you are talking about, America. The yawning. Nobody cares. My God. As bad as your German impersonations when we did (laughs) Mengele. I love and my Hogel. German. Actually, fucking Maritza keeps on every time concern I talk, you know, like I said, quite often. She goes, oh, my God, you have to do it. I go, what? And this is almost every day. So do the German for me. <laughs> See, and I like Jethro, the southern guy. I like my Jethro. Yeah. Which reminds me we have some other episodes to do. I know, because I haven't heard him in a long time. Maybe he'll do a fucking serial killer episode with us. You never oh, know. Oh, that would be funny. He should have done Lucas and Tool with us. Holy shit, you're right. But I have another Southern one coming up. Well, actually, my one on Thursday is a Southern one. But, yeah. So the authorities completely... You're disgusting. Ignored the remark. Stop it. They can hear that. Remarkable coincidence. Guess what I'm doing. Stop it. Okay. The remarkable coincidence, quote, and continued to search for Louise for a brief time before dismissing her as just another runaway. Oh, geez, Louise. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah? You guys like that one? Yeah. Yeah. That one hit me. Daddy joke. Yeah. Daddy joke. You slip them in. As it turns out, (laughs) if those were actually her remains, she may very well have been. Patois' first victim. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I, I headed this section, perhaps your average politician. A short time after Louise was reported missing, Patois decided to join the mayoral race in his little village. The campaign, the campaign was a long and bitter battle between him and his opponent that came to a head in July of 1926. It, almost like a Hillary Clinton, uh, a, Clinton Trump one. And I promise that everybody will have very long cigarette holders, <laughs> croissants, and French bread, and wine. Bonjour. And wine. And cheese, brie. You have to have the brie to have I the love, wine. I love wine and cheese. Now, continue on, the American. So, <laughs> Patois hired a goon. That is so bad. Patois hired a goon to cause a disruption during one of the candidate debates. He was... Patois was scheduled to speak first, and when his speech ended almost exactly to the second, the goon cut out the auditorium power. However, that resulted in the village-wide blackout as well as several fires. Holy shit. In the end, it was a landslide election with Patois coming out on top. You think? Yeah. When your opponent can't give his uh, side of the story? Yeah, his little speeches. So Patois' opponent wasn't going to take the defeat lying down. Um, he, you know, Bush and doled it. He filed a complaint <laughs> with the commission. Nobody knows what that is. Commission de Reforme, stating that Patois had been bragging about faking his mental instability in order to be relieved of his mental military obligations, which I don't believe he was faking that No, shit. I I know he wasn't. Yeah. This dude's fucking nuttier than yeah. a cake. When the commit, because we've seen people try to fake it and it wasn't that good. Yeah. Yeah, when the commission made Patois undergo another review, the doctors confirmed that original diagnosis, di- diagnosis and this report stated that his boasts of fraud were just, quote, another manifestation of the subject's mentally unbalanced state. <clears throat> okay. 
Yeah. So, as most towns, states, and countries can claim today, Villeneuve-Sorione was being run with a, quote, certified madman at the helm. I mean, our That's, state, my state is being run with a mad say, woman. So is mine. You, got, you, you have Kate Brown over there, and I, I really do hope that this gets back to Kate Brown. Dude, woman, you are fucking useless. You are useless as tits Dude, on a bull. No and shit. so is Jay Inslee for Washington. Yeah, you had a perfect opportunity to help the homeless population in our state when you got elected, and you said, nope, don't want to do it. Yeah, that's fucking amazing. No, you amazing. just let them throw trash all over our city. Portland used to be a very beautiful city. I brought that up actually before to, to several people uh, that, mm-hmm. that I've talked to. I've got friends all over the world. Um, and we were talking, uh, I think I was talking to a friend of mine in Australia when I was talking about this last time. But I said the same thing. It used to be that Portland was gorgeous and clean. Yeah. and every, That's that's why I've stayed Seattle was the only city I saw cleaner. Because Seattle, I mean, be, back before... I didn't see a huge homeless population just right. out there like or like Portland has. But now, there are pockets of homeless literally fucking everywhere. Well, and they have underneath the Markham Bridge area down by where OMSI is in that area. Um, they actually have a like the tiny house uh-huh. area, a section. And it's like, okay, why don't they put those up everywhere? But no, Kate Brown is letting these people Camp out in my yard, and I can't say anything about it. Well, what got what got me the most, and we'll get back on track while I'm bitching, um, is that like normally when I'm coming back uh, into Portland because oh I'm working in that North Portland area is horrible. Right well, I take there. Marine Drive, mm-hmm. and then during the afternoon, uh, by where the truck stop is, it gets backed up. Mm-hmm. So I cut up Northeast Thirty Third and get up onto Columbia. Mm-hmm. And it used to be because that's all industrial right there. That it was it was clean. It was just you know a bunch of businesses, not a big deal. Now. I'm not kidding. Both sides, and I'll drive you up there. It's wall to wall garbage and homeless. I saw a homeless like camp out along the river on Oregon side, coming over across the I five. Oh yeah, by uh, by Red yeah, Line. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is getting ridiculous, and it's getting to the point where they're allowed to camp in people's yards, and the people who own the house can't say shit. But you could turn the sprinklers on them. That would be. I would so install some. And you know. Fires accidentally happened. But anyway, continue. I would not only turn the sprinklers on, sprinklers on them, I'd fucking fill the sprinklers with cow manure <laughs> and spray them like they do on the farm around my house. Look, they're growing. Yeah. So um, his chronic kleptomania was actually a well-known, quote, secret. Like one of the, you know. Right. You know what I mean. <laughs> um. The now mayor Patois was suspected of skimming money from the village treasury, but it didn't stop there. He was suspected of stealing a bass drum from one of the local bands and a giant stone cross he had deemed the village eyesore. Are you texting again? No, continue. I got Emailing? it. You talk about your asshole and, uh, I mean, eyesore. You're so stupid. His eyesore. In true political fashion, Don't be though, an eyesore. <laughs> there was some that absolutely despised having Patois in office, yet there were also others that proclaimed he was the best mayor the village had ever had. Because he was one of the best village people. Gotcha. <laughs> YMCA. Via in France, and we do not have the YMCA. The you cop, do. the construction worker, the fireman. The Indian. The Indian. And who was the fifth one? Mechanic, I think. I, I can't remember. remember. No, I gotta fucking look yeah, plumber. <laughs> the plumber. 
<laughs> I see your plumber's crack. Yeah. <laughs> as far as Patois was concerned, all of the criticism he was receiving was the result of, I say, fake news. His political enemies were spreading. He said rumors, but, you know, I had to use fake news in there. Um, then... Um, Patois met and married Georgette, I don't even want to say this word, Lablace, and it's almost spelled labia, L-A-B-L-A-I-S, in June of 1927. David Hodo, H-O-D-O. Okay, so a military guy. Was a construction worker. Glenn Hughes was the biker. Jeff Olson, the cowboy, and he was replaced by Randy Jones. Felipe Rose was the Indian chief. Ray uh, Simpson, the cop, and he was replaced by Victor Willis as the lead singer in 1979. Uh, And then replaced at one point by... Michael J. beginning in 1982, so that way there they can all get together and be as gay as possible and sing, "I love to have sex at the YMCA." They never said sex. Oh, and the macho macho, macho man. man. They sing that about me because I'm so macho. <laughs> I wanna be. I'm a wannabe. A actually, man. actually, I'm a nacho man. <laughs> but <laughs> that is true. You belong with Jack Black on Nacho Libre. Yes, I do. Nachos are fucking bomb, man. <laughs> Not Macho Libre. Nacho. Nacho. Uh, but, okay, I said that. So the couple welcomed their son, Gerhardt, in April of 1928, and he would be an only child. Uh, within eight months of Gerhardt's arrival, the other others convinced the happy father of stealing several large... Oh, no, others were convinced the happy father stole um, several other children, several large cans of oil from the village's rail depot. Check this out. In a twist, Patois had legally paid for that oil. However, he was guilty of fraud when he denied receiving the shipment and filed a claim with the company requesting a refund. God damn it. Marcel, I had such high hopes for you, buddy. Fucking retard. I know, right? In the early part of 1930, Patois was fined 200 francs by the courts and sentenced to serve a three-month prison term. He also had his mayorship suspended for four months, only four months. As you can he expect... Could be a mayor, uh, he could be a mayor from jail. Come on. No shit, yo. What do you need? Fuck. We're ran by criminals anyway here. You France can be a can't be jail much- mayor. <laughs> jail mayor. Um, that is a porn that you would have to see to really understand. <laughs> You're my jail mayor. I'm not even a horse. Oh, my God. No, no. I'm not pregnant. Take your hand out. Take your hand out. As you can expect, he appealed this convention, conviction and managed to get the decision reversed. Little did people know there were more serious issues on the horizon. Um. There was two cans of oil yeah. that were still missing. <laughs> One fateful evening in March of 1930, a fire broke out in the home of Armand Dubois, D-E-B-A-U-V-E. Who I think that's still Dubois, isn't it? Would it be a Dubois? 
Well, there was a V in there, so I'm assuming so. I can't remember if the V is silent. Um, I know I, I really can't because I'm not. Yeah, in me French. neither. That's not one of the languages um, I speak. He was a universe. He was a dairy un- unionist. So I'm assuming that means head of like some, you know, like that the local chapter or something. The local chapter yeah. of of milking the cows. <laughs> when the, the teeth. shut up. When the fire was put out, Deepless. the f- authorities found Armand's wife Henriette. Um, inside the debris. Um, her cause of death was blunt force trauma. And since there was around 20,000 francs reported missing from the residents, it was suspected she was killed during a robbery. The detective also discovered a set of footprints in a nearby field lead- leading back to the village. So not long after the fire, rumors began flying that Henriette and Patois were having an affair. Some people reported they saw him around her house on the night of the incident. And the one witness that came forward and said he would testify was Mons, Monsieur, Mons, say Monsieur, no, Monsieur. Thank you, Monsieur. I couldn't freaking get it on my face. Uh, Fisco, F-I-S-C-O-T. My name is Monsieur. Fisco, and I will testify. See, and I was dreading saying that word. <laughs> However, he also decided he would seek treatment from Patois for his rheumatism. Okay, you know what? The Montserrat is fucking stupid. Yeah, don't, don't go see the guy you're going to testify against. Hey, my doctor is going to testify. Yeah. We'll go back to Dr. Coffee, man. Love him. But if I had to testify against him, Guess who's not going to be my doctor? Yeah, precisely. I'm not going back to him. Hey, I know that I'm going to testify against you there, Cameron. Yeah. Um, but um, Cameron's his first name, for those of you who didn't, did, didn't catch that. Um, but, you know, I, I need to see you. Can you, like, check out my bunghole or my rheumatism yeah. or anything? No, man, you don't fucking do that. Yeah. You're going to die. That's what's going to happen. No shit. You're going to well, fucking die. Well, and I fucking lodged a complaint with the hospital against this one doctor. And I told him, I said, you will never see me or my father again ever ever <laughs> like both naked at the same time have you ever been that's tied up? fucking disgusting and stop that sure. that was a traumatic experience for me i'm tired of you giving me flashbacks but it's fucking hilarious it was actually kind of funny because <laughs> he said that and i looked at, i almost spit my food out and my friend was laughing so hard she couldn't even hide her laughter every time i feel a little depressed i think about that <laughs> Have you ever been tied up then? Well, only because he couldn't tie his wife's up anymore. <laughs> that's what he said. And that's why I'm after your mom. She likes kinky shit, man. No, he never tried to tie her up. Oh, that I know. You of. know, I can see her tied to the well, bed, I giving her a massage. My mom was always saying how gross my dad was. Or all she goes, that's just disgusting. Because I've told her when she dies that I'm going to put some her ashes over my dad's. Anyway, mix them all together. Anyways, in soup. So, I told somebody, she was like, that's just not okay. And I said, you know, people often say that the child who, whatever parent the child resembles, was the one who was most active during the sex, had more enthusiasm during the sex act. I said, I look like both of you. What does that say? That your mom likes kinky stuff. She was probably tied up she saying, She was very me. involved in that sex. Yeah, she's like, spank me, big daddy. And you I know, can't imagine my mom ever doing oh, that. Oh, yeah, she's probably wearing spurs. And I've heard boots. my mom had sex and it didn't sound anything like that. It was traumatizing, but it didn't sound like that. It's like him over. Oh, my God. No, it'd be you saying, tie me up. Oh, no. Trust me. She's going to be, yee 
Oh, yeah, the stud muffin. I'm like, no, I am. <clears throat> I will. Yeah, we're good. Anyways, so within three short hours of receiving that injection for the rheumatoid arthritis, um, Fisco was dead. Patois well, was shocker. responsible for filling out the man's death certificate himself, and he listed the cause of death as a, quote, aneurysm. I am shocked that he killed the person that was going to testify against him. Oh, I know. I huh? never saw that shit coming Me at neither. all, considering that he is fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, and it's said that he killed his lover. But I don't. So, I don't feel sorry for this dude. I don't feel sorry for the Montier. No, no. It's like it's fucking, getting Christ, fucking murdered man. by Lucas and Tool. No shit. But hey, I see that you're a nut job and you're crazy, and yeah, you probably killed some people. And I'm gonna I'm gonna testify that you killed some yeah. people. But um, while we're here, why don't you give me an injection? Yeah, you look fucking nuts as fuck. But hey, I'll get in the car with you. A fucking idiot, man. Yeah. You know what, Monsieur? You deserve to die. Yeah. For being that Fisco. stupid. <laughs> Fisco, you deserve to die. <laughs> Anyways, Armand spoke to the police in April and told him that someone in the village had told him Patois knew who killed Henriette. Local I bet you he did. Yeah. Local authorities asked for the police headquarters in Paris to assist them with the investigation. Patois, However, Paris, you need to come out yeah, here. The file became, quote, misplaced and didn't reappear until April of 1946 when the house was, you know, discovered. God damn. His Roulastia sewer house was discovered. Roulastia? Yeah, when it resurfaced, Patois was already facing multiple murder charges in Paris. And by this time, nobody cared whether or not the Dubois investigation was reopened or not. Um, now, there's more allegations against him. For a period of 16 months after the fire at Armand's, the local prefect recorded a plethora of complaints the locals had against Patois. The majority of the complaints were for either theft or some type of financial discrepancy. I would figure it'd be like he's trying to make his own wine and it sucks and uh, champagne only comes from the champagne region of France and he's claiming that's champagne and he stole my dog and he put his furniture down. He put <laughs> my furniture down his pants. In actuality, it's just water with banana peels fermented in it. Exactly. Toilet wine. <laughs> exactly. This is my toilet wine. It comes from the region of France called Toilette. Toilette. Um, yeah, let's see here. When prosecutors began their investigation, they found a total of 138 alien registration applications, as well as approximately 2,890, no, $2,890, francs worth of fees that had been held at City Hall instead of like gone to the departments, dispersed to the proper departments. Was he still mayor? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, that, that explains how he got the francs. Yeah. Why would you withhold 138, like, citizen registrations, though? To pocket the money. Hundred, But you, you could hold the registration. Oh, I guess you're right, because then the fees wouldn't... Yeah. Cover up that paper trail, got man. It. No shit, yo. If they're all fucking popping up and Make shit Make it like seem that. like you fucking dispersed them, and then they disappeared on the yeah, other end. I do not know what happened. We Somebody, took them down there. 
We took them down there, and they mm-hmm. are gone now. Get somebody on and, that uh, end of it that'll sign. Yeah. yeah. It, it must be Maddie over here because she looks suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> she has a short cigarette and no cigarette holder. She's mm-hmm. like a peak, like a, like a filthy American. Like a soldier on the field. So when Patois was confronted with the findings, he, of course, blamed the oversight on his, quote, inept secretary. Maddie. She even decided to take the blame for her boss. Despite this, Patois received another suspension of his mayoral duties in August of 1931. When he received the suspension, he just submitted his resignation the following day. He was like, nah, I'm adios, bitch, nachos. And the entire village council actually resigned as well in solidarity. And they left behind a mess with the files all screwed up and purchase orders that had blatantly been altered. Yeah, some dirty-ass politicians. There's a fucking shocker. That doesn't happen in this day Dude, and age at all. they are so honest. Fucking politicians. Yeah. With, I know I hate them. All of them. Vote for Scott. Yeah, no. No, I, I would. I'd be a good politician because I'm, I'm... One of my old classmates ran for mayor of our, our my hometown, my old hometown. I'd be... You know, I'm, I'm I'm fairly honest, except that I'm that I'd be that mayor that that politician that says fuck a lot, and they'd be like, you can't say that, dude. I'm like, why yeah. the fuck not? Your speech on that. Well, actually, my friend who ran for mayor mayoralship, he in high school he had dreams of being a professional wrestler, and actually was one for a while. I want to be a professional mud wrestler. No, dude. Jello, yes, that would be funny. I would love to see Jello and mud wrestling. Love it Um, (laughs) with midgets. Yeah, shut up. (laughs) Uh, Within a month, Patois had his he had his mayoral office revoked, and he couldn't have but he couldn't care less because on October eighteenth. Um, a mere five weeks later, he won another election. This one was as the youngest member of the 34-member general council in the Yon district. Uh, yeah, he was a council member now. He was His seating there was almost as tenuous as his mayoral seat. Um, in August of 1932, Patois was charged with stealing electricity from the village power supply, And when he went on trial the following year, the judge ordered him to serve 15 days in jail and pay a measly little fine of 300 francs. He called Patois' defense, quote, his defense, you know, his, you know, a, quote, pure fantasy. As you can imagine, Patois appealed the sentence, and that process took approximately a year before the courts actually affirmed his conviction. And, however, they did reduce the fine down to 100 francs, which is pocket change to you, and suspended the jail term. Even if that were U.S. dollars, you'd be like, eh, chump change. Um, 100 bucks, yeah. That's not a big deal. Yeah. The affirmed conviction resulted in Patois losing his seat on the council, but that didn't phase him in the slightest because since January of 1933, he had moved his entire family to Patty. Eh, why not? Fuck yeah. it. Now he's descended on the City of Lights. When Patois <laughs> arrived in Betty, he began his process of self-promotion with the same zeal he had used in his little village. I am the best doctor here. Yeah. And the only reason why I keep saying 
petty is my son always makes fun of me because every time we go to a ethnic restaurant, he goes, mom, how come it is every time you go to an ethnic restaurant, you order in English, but you sound, you try to use the accent of that nationality. He says I do it in Chinese and Span- in, Me- in Spanish. Oh, okay. So hold and on. I'm like, no. I want to review well, something. Well, one time I did say noodle instead of noodle and I felt so bad. Okay, so you're not racist, but you have that one black friend, and every time you go out, you're and like... And gay guy, no. I have more than one black friend. Whatever. So then you go out to order like Chinese food. Honey, oh. I, I have my ghetto card. Like, Shut up. Oh, I can take the noodle and some, maybe some fried rice and some fresh shrimp and uh, shrimp pie pork. Look, my favorite thing to order at the Mexican restaurant is taco salad con... Taco salad consuela de pollo is a you know so you the do it. You bowl. try to do it in their accent. You are racist. Huh? <laughs> Not right. Ra- I don't Hola. mean How to do it. How are you doing? <laughs> I will take the enchiladas and the taco and uh, can I get some of the salsa and some the tacos de cabeza en lingual. Thank you very much. You don't deport me. That's what the fuck. So one black friend, one gay friend, fabulous. And you make fun of people when you I go have order. More than one gay friend. I have you. Oh my god! <laughs> and then you make fun of people when you go and order them, of them and order at their restaurant my of their son, nationality. My son literally. And one time we were at the mall, and my son literally he was trying to get Panda Express, and he looks at me as we're waiting in line. He goes, "I wonder if she's going to say you want fried rice or noodle," and she did. <laughs> see, see, but you, he says he can get away with it because he's part Korean. I'm like, that makes no sense. You are one step away from a Ku Klux Klan rally. I'm surprised you don't come over here burning crosses and wearing a fucking white sheet and the and the and the tall pointy hat, sitting there going, "We gotta get a hold of all the Negroes and and the Jews." You need to watch De- Django Unchained. They crack me. Up. <laughs> I, it's actually a pretty serious movie, and it cracks me up because it's Quentin Tarantino, but. There's a scene in it where they have these like dead South white guys going out riding horses trying to round up all the runaway slaves and they're wearing sheets and everything. And the guy goes, Why are we wearing these sheets? And this guy, this other guy goes, Because my wife took time to launder them. <laughs> and I was just like, That, that makes is sense so hilarious. Yeah. Okay. So g- yeah. keep on going there, Ku Klux Klan rally member. <laughs> I hate you. One um, black friend. You know what? Black guys and black girls, I like you. I'm not racist like Tammy is. Just saying, man. Did you have more than one black friend? I got a lot of black friends. I have a ghetto card. I'm not saying I have one black friend. I used to fucking hang out in Northeast Portland. You're kind of like affirmative action in one person. Okay, we got the one black friend. We have an Asian. We got a couple of Asians, so we're okay there. I have to have a gay. Oh, okay, now I have a gay. We're good. We're good. We're balanced (laughs) out. Shut up. Sorry, you, you're straight. I, you you can't. I need your. You can't. I need to meet your friend, the Jewish guy at your work, so I can have a Jewish friend too. Oh my god! And I was married to a Korean. Don't forget that. Yeah, you got. You, got, you, you did meet Fred. No, I didn't. He's the bass player for uh, that other band. Yeah. Oh, I never met him. But oh, you didn't. Oh, no, Fred, Fred's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. No, it's really weird. But um, no, I had to get a card with a Jamaica. Straight up, I know. I wish I would have met him now. Um, Continue on, Morty. No, I didn't meet anybody in, other than your bandmates. Oh. You know. So, anyways, when he um, began his process of self-promotion in Paris, he used both factual and fabricated credentials to offer 
potential patients a host of various treatments. And I smoke not short cigarettes in a long <laughs> run, and I have a BP nose. You know what? Talk about racist. You have all these freaking characters in your head. Um, that's not racism. There's an apartment in my head. We discussed this before. And sometimes I gotta keep my Nazis separated from my Jews because that's Those a little big fucking three problems. stories multi-unit facilities. Oh, yeah. Like they, they can't even share the lawn area together sometimes. Like, you know, we, we, we have we have scheduling. Their little like, courtyard. That's right. And that's the sit, gazebo. That stay like there's a line that says Jews over here and Nazis I was gonna over say, here. yeah, because you have a Jewish man and a Jewish woman <clears> in I your do. head. Yep. But my whole, you know, because I used to deliver to this place that had the security door that you had to have a code to get into, but they didn't have a fucking elevator. Piss me off. People are going to start thinking I'm schizophrenic. That's not the case. I, no, he doesn't hear the voices outside I've, of his head. I've taken head. years and years to develop different voices, mostly to, uh, well, there was a couple of reasons. Number one, to put vibrato in my voice. And number two, because you need to have conversations with yourself and didn't like... Like no, because I like, I like pissing off telemarketers. Oh, yeah. Because it's one one fantastic. We, I was talking to, I think it was Marta with this, because we were talking about that. And how I got the vibrato in my voice was actually learning how to make a goat sound. I'm not kidding you. It, it works that muscle in your throat. Did it sound like Eddie Vedder's? I love his voice. I like his voice, but he, he it's a, that's a he lot like of vibrato. He like sings in vibrato almost every song though, too. Every note he does yeah. is fucking Last Kiss was one of my favorite songs. I don't like that one. I like Garden. Last Kiss made me cry. I don't like Last Kiss. Cuz you don't like to cry. I don't cry. Whatever. Stop taking your meds for one day. No, that's a 3 day. I was going to say, you will call me up sobbing. Oh, yeah. No, three days, yeah. Then my life's a whole yeah. shit show. Anyways, for instance, his credentials said that on one of the advertisements that he plays that he was an intern or an intern at a mental institution. In actuality, he was an intern, which is an accent over the E, a patient at the facility. I was going to say, he was a patient. Yeah, instead <laughs> of, yeah, because intern, the intern is I-N-T-E-R-N-E, and the patient was with an Intrane. accent. Is with a little accent. Um, he set up a home office located at his, you know, in the future, at 66 Rue Carmartin, which, you know, he lived at when he got in trouble. And outside the door, he put up a brass plaque that listed a plethora of false endorsements. You just had them on there. It was so ridiculous that another physician in the area actually lodged a complaint with the Medical Association, and they ordered Patois to take it down. You must take it down now with your big long cigarette. Yeah. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Shut up. Even though Patois claimed to have a bunch of phony credentials, he built a reputation for being an exemplary doctor with a substantial clientele. That is because I am an exceptional doctor. I, why get are you holding American. your... You're so stupid. I need to get you one of those filters now. Um, by I 19- do not need one at all. You are over there talking the lies about me and my wonderful uh, uh, practice with the, uh, with the patients. Anyways. Continue. By 1944... Dismissed. 
Um, during the murder investigation, when the authorities set about interviewing upwards of 2,000 patients. Holy Christ. Not one of them had a critical word to say about their fine Dr. Patois. They, they interviewed everybody in Paris, apparently, Pretty at the time. Much. They're like, we're interviewing yeah. everybody. What do you say, Billy? He hates children. Well, we hate you, too. Get I don't even think my doctor sees 2,000 patients. Not even my ortho. <laughs> Shit. I'm telling you. And he's like sports medicine. He's a busy motherfucker, I man. Know. However, there were rumors that prevailed about Patois being an abortionist. And he built a, uh, oh wait, uh, which actually at the time, you know, was highly illegal. It was illegal until and then a long we recently. invented wire coat hangers. Oh my God, that's, shut up. That is so painful and so mean. I've never had one, so uh, I don't know. No, I well, I've had a speculum, and it's painful. <laughs> there was... Uh, there's some girls who like that, by well, the way. Well, actually, not just speculum is painful, but I'm sorry, but when they do the little cotton swab, it hurts. But your <laughs> cervix has no... A woman's cervix has no uh, muscle memory, so it not just hurts, it quickly goes away. Um, let's see here. Ba-ba-ba, ba-ba-ba. Oh, however, there were also rumors... Oh, about the abortionist. There were also the claims that he was the local drug dealer who wrote addicts prescriptions for, quote, cures for their addictions. He's straight out of Compton, hey, man. he wasn't like, uh, what's his name, uh, Kermit Gosner, oh, because yeah. Gosner had the drug facility to help treat the patients that he was writing prescriptions for. But, you know, and, and also because it sounds like all of his patients were saying this Gosnell. place is clean. Mm-hmm. Not like Goslin, Gosner, or whatever the fuck his name is. Gosnell, I think. Yeah. Kermit Gosnell. G-O-S-N-E-L-L, I think is what it is. Yeah, it sounds right. But yeah. yeah. Again, Kermit's place was fucking filthy dirty, so. There you filthy? Go. I mean, he had fucking infles- flea-infested cats and rats and everything. It was gross. And people. Yeah, that too. <laughs> They're all flea-infested And too. fucking medical waste in the basement. Anyways, uh, there was an incident in 1934 that involved a 30-year-old patient by the name of Raymond R... I think it's Raymonde. It's a female. R-A-Y-M-O-N-D-E Hans. H-A-N-S-S. She went to Patois to receive treatment for an abscess she had in her mouth. After her surgery was complete, the doctor actually drove her home while she was still unconscious. She never woke up and was pronounced dead a few hours later. Madame Anna Coquille, her mother, was livid and demanded that an autopsy per- be performed. I demand one, too. Yeah. When the autopsy was complete, it showed that she had a heavy level of morphine in her system. And the coroner even held off on her burial so that the authorities could complete an investigation. But it didn't take them long to close the case without pursuing charges. I don't know why. In 1942, Madame Coquille went back to the authorities in an effort to get the case reopened, but the court decided to rule in favor of, quote, death by natural causes. Okay. How is morphine a natural cause? Well. Unless she overdosed herself, but still. It's a natural cause. It's a a natural drug. It's made out of opium. Yeah. (laughs) Yummy. See, and I'm not a big opioid person, but yeah. In 1934, when Patois was confronted with the first investigations in regards to a narcotics violation, um, he 
However, when the investigation concluded, the detective said there was no conclusive proof of a violation. Okay? A year later, Patois received an appointment as the... Basically, he was the... um, He could now had authority to endorse death certificates. So he could kill them and sign their death certificates, so no autopsy had to be done. Dude, that's a one-stop shop. It's brilliant. No shit, yo. Um, Focus on those little bratty kids there, Marcel. Yeah, because I couldn't, I couldn't try to pronounce the appointment he was given. But true to Patois' nature, he exploited this position for his own personal gain. For instance, in December of 1942, a wealthy lawyer died. And they summoned Patois so that he could pronounce the death. After he left, the family went to the authorities and reported that he had stolen approximately 74,000 francs from the house. Every time that somebody says they summons the person, I keep on thinking that they're like making a pentagram on the floor and lighting some candles and pulling oh, out a book. I think of a court order. And then all of a sudden, Marcel appears. He's like, Whoa, you have summons me from Excuse my office. Did they even have phones back in the well, 1940s? They did. but Yeah, they did in the 40s. Yeah. Those little. Yeah, we had to have a switchboard. Oh, my God. Those women knew so much gossip. They uh-huh. knew everything. Let me have Adirondack 547. Well, my, my mom's moment. very first phone number ever. She'll tell you it's 414. Literally. I got a number for her. 414. Shut up. Oh, six, Which nine. ironically was her extension when she was working at the last facility. So in 1936, uh, Patois decided he would do a little shoplifting and he stole a book. When the police officers confronted him, Patois assaulted the man and managed to get away on foot. Two days later, he went down to the station for a self-surrender, crying and begging for mercy. He even brought his military discharge papers with him to prove that he wasn't responsible. So basically, he was ready to, like, you know what? I'm not responsible for my actions. Here's my mental health status. Oh, my God. But then he's a doctor. Why would he even try that? (laughs) It's like, you know what? I'm crazy, but let me practice medicine on you. You know? I was talking to Jake last couple of days about, I, I really don't like technology because it's just, I think it's gone too far. That's just me though. I know. We but, rely on it for everything. But there are things that I appreciate. Number one, like the recording software that we're using now and the, yeah. the equipment that we use now. If we had a solar flare, we'd be fucked. Uh, so, the, you know, and, and, you know, I like having the ability to take a phone with me and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, me too. But one of the things that I appreciate the most is that we're in the age of information Oh my God, so yes. a little nut job like Marcel the Twat, this shit doesn't happen. Yeah, no, you not know? at all. Well, let, let me take that back. It might happen, but the chances of it happening are like one in a million. There'd have to be some backwoods hillbilly town, though. It would have to be something where this person knew how to change fucking oh, that too, yeah. federal records and like some CIA shit going on. You don't see people like, like Marcel. Like fucking Swango. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like Swango. Um, but, you know, you don't see people like Marcel, who's literally, he's a nut job. Oh, yeah. He's fucking insane. And just writing, uh, putting an accent over an E and everybody's okay. Yeah, and everybody's like, oh, fuck it, he's fine. You know, just let him in. I, we, that doesn't happen. Yeah, like, no. If my doctor was a nut job. Yeah, you would have known about it before you, yeah, he wouldn't would, even be there. They, they wouldn't even have made it yeah. out of medical school. They'd be like, hey, okay, you're, you're, you're applying over here to like Kaiser, and we see that your background check says, oh, you're fucking nuts. No. Yeah, my, <laughs> o- my old OBGYN got in some trouble. He kind of had a nervous breakdown when his wife died, 
And he got one complaint, and he had to have a nurse in there with him. Two complaints, he was off the medical board. Shit. Yeah. 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 Because they're serious about that shit yeah, now. So very I'm, serious. As much as I hate technology, fucking, I am so thankful that this is the age of information. Me too. Me and too. You yammer, I'm going to go make myself something to eat really fast. But I am listening, and don't say something super interesting, because you know me, I'll like my fat ass like waddle back really fast because I don't run. Okay, yeah, it'll be a minute. Hi. Um, the authorities wound up dropping. I'd love to see you run. <laughs> dropping. Ah, I don't want to see your white ass. Dude, it is like a full moon over Vancouver right now, and that was disturbing. <laughs> that was like jam because even though jelly shakes like that, that was gross. Um, fucking like a bowl full of jello. Um, let's see. The authorities wound up dropping the assault charge. Uh, they had filed against Patois and when he went to the court for the theft, he was again acquitted on quote grounds of insanity. So in August of 1936, Georgette, his wife made arrangements for him to actually be admitted to a private sanatorium. Within minutes of arriving at that facility, Patois started begging for them to release him immediately, um, claiming that his mental health incident was the result of a, quote, momentary aberration. And the aberration was because he had been preoccupied working on one of his, oh my God, you need to hurry up and get in here. Working on one of his new inventions, which was... A suction machine designed to relieve constipation. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I know, huh? I didn't need that the last two days. I ate something that was... I never need it. I have IBSD, but... Ask Jake, man. We were sitting here. We were talking all of a sudden. Gotta go. I ran by him so damn fast that literally when I came back, his hair was plastered. Straight back. (laughs) You you didn't leave a contrail behind... I mean, like a... Liquid contrail behind you? Thank God, no. Damn near did. Damn near did. Oh, I know. I told my son. I said, I'm getting to the point nowadays where I can't. I'm old enough. Yeah. I'm old enough now to that point where I don't have the ability to hold it in like you do, son. Yeah. No. (laughs) So he's sucking buttholes. Yeah. So the staff doctor assigned to him declared that Patois was, quote, chronically unbalanced, but still recommended he be released as early as the beginning of September of 1936. However, the court wanted another opinion, so they held up his release from the facility. They actually assigned three more psychiatric professionals to evaluate him. This panel's report stated they had quote, strong doubts as to Patois' good faith at any point during this affair. Nonetheless, they couldn't find any legal grounds to keep the doctor detained, and he was finally released sometime in 1937. The stay at the mental facility seemed to be a, quote, come-to-Jesus incident for Patois, and it appeared he had actually started to straighten himself out. That's if you don't count the fact that he continued to commit tax fraud. Um, from 1937 to 1940, he only reported earning less than 10% of what his true income was. For example, in 1938, Patois earned 
roughly 500,000 francs, yet he declared to the government that he'd only earned approximately 13,100. Can't blame him. Fuck him. Yeah, I know. I hate paying taxes. He was charged with tax fraud that year and was fined 35,000 francs. This penalty was despite the defense that he had raised, which included his, quote, claims of poverty. Um, then in 1939, every citizen in France had their life changed. That was when the German SS troops invaded Poland, which in turn marked the beginning of World War II. The reason, remember we talked about that. The resistance in Poland barely lasted one month before collapsing in October. That collapse launched what was referred to as the, quote, the seven-month phony war. The war, this war pitted the French against the Germans, and German troops were invading Holland, Belgium, and France by May of 1940. In June, the French commander of Paris had declared the city as a, quote, open city, and the Germans seized the capital. Seize them! That is right. We love to seize the French. Do you, do you know why, Miss Dami? Well, considering Poland was invaded on false grounds, what? How? <sighs> They were not invaded on false grounds. The Polish are just stupid peoples, and we wanted to take the country. The France have good wine, though. That's why we took them. You're so dumb. Two weeks after the seize of Paris, Marshal Philippe Petain organized a collaborationist French government in Vichy. Um, he then proceeded to broadcast his orders for a ceasefire fire and on june 22nd that smells good over forty thousand french soldiers surrendered their arms to the germans that's when the french resistance armed themselves and set about their guerrilla war um patois saw a whole new world of opportunity open up before his very eyes in paris with the german occupation he found a way to not only emulate the nazis but he also used them while he set out on what would be his greatest and most deadly scheme to date. Um, let's see here. As it turns out, when Patois claimed that he was part of the resistance, there actually may have been a little, like, ounce of truth to that statement, like a minute amount. Not long after the Nazis occupied Paris, Patois started providing falsified medical certificates to the Frenchmen who were drafted into slave labor. Yeah. What do you mean, yeah? Just yeah. Oh, okay. That was, like, ripe with, like... (laughs) I like doing that just to see that fucked up look on your face. Yeah, what do you mean? Uh, Patois was also responsible for treating all of the sick and wounded that were returning to France from Germany. While he treated the men, Patois would get whatever information he could regarding Nazi weapon development and troop movements. Um, Patois was also part of the, quote, Fly Talks Network. And the name of this group came about because informers were often called flies. So they took their title after a popular French insecticide. This network would spy on the Gestapo headquarters to identify the collaborators 
And once the identifications were made, the informers were then eliminated by one of the resistance assassination teams. So they like totally Judas him. Them. Oh, totally, man. Yeah, they <laughs> went and kissed up. him on the cheeks. <laughs> the double kiss. Despite <laughs> the good patois. <laughs> That's disgusting. Seemed to be doing for his country, he began to spin some tall tales as well. He started telling people he was part of part of patriotic battles. What are you eating, ramen? No, meatballs. Ooh. But the these... meatiest of all balls. Do you have any more left? I might get some. No. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Oh, okay. But these battles were never actually fought. He started to make claims that he had invented some, quote, secret weapons. And these weapons were designed to kill the Nazis without leaving behind any forensic evidence. That's the butt-sucking invention. But <laughs> suck the asses right out of Paris? Goddamn right, man. <laughs> You have to pay like triple for that in Thailand. Like that's in that's Bangkok. a very in Bangkok. That's a very specialized thing. You're disgusting. When Patois even started saying that he was actively working with a group of anti-fascist Spaniards located in Paris. However, when people started looking into the claims Patois was making, this is what they found out: a Allied commanders denied any high-level meetings. Period. No mystery weapon or evidence of a potential mystery weapon ever surfaced, and this anti-fascist group could never be found. Like, there was no evidence of them anywhere. Well, they're good at hiding. So nobody else was involved in this group, except no, for him. There it were. was just him. There, there were. They were just good at hiding. Whatever. Um, not to mention that his claims of, quote, planting bombs and booby traps throughout Paris were deemed to be, quote, fervid flights of fancy. Say that real fast. Fervid. Yeah, see? You can't even say the first word. It it worked out great in my head. I was going to say, they always work out in your head. (laughs) Everything you say seems to work out in your head, but when it spews out, it makes no sense. That's right. Like, there's sometimes I, I... you know, I go to the store and I have a list of stuff. And I'll say, I need some veggies and I need some lean meat. Oh, I know. And then it turns into regular donuts. I was going to say, because I have the last three months in a row gone to Costco thinking, I need to get lens wipes. And then by the time I make it around to that area, I forgot about them. So usually by then I'm tired of the people and want to get the fuck out. So when all was said and done after 1940, Patois' operation was mainly just to disclose any possible escape routes to any potential escapee. Oh, okay. Yeah, he gladly welcomed anyone who was willing to pay his fee of 25,000 francs per head. It didn't matter if they were Jewish, resistance fighters, or petty criminals, as long as they had the funds to hand over. Well, there you go. Yeah. He's an equal opportunity uh, capitalist. Yeah. For that fee, he promised he would provide the person with necessary travel documents as well as a safe passage out of the country to South America. As a matter of fact, he purchased the residence on Rue La Soie to use as a French version of the, quote, Underground war- Railroad. Sweet. Yeah. Um. Then when... um. Two of Patois' early, quote, customers was a pair of Parisian pimps. This is going to come into play later. Who had broadened their scope of practice to include disguising themselves as agents of the Gestapo to commit armed robbery. Joseph 
Recroix, R-E-O-C-R-E-U-X. Recroix. And Adrian, I do not even, Estebetegui, E-S-T-E-B-E-T-E-G-U-I. Estebetegui? I'm not even going to try. Estebetegui. Um, we're on the run from both the French and the German authorities by that point. Um, Damn, they can't cut a break, can they? I know these pimps can't get no love. Um, the first guy was was actually the first one to solicit Patois services, and he was traveling with his mistress, Claudia Chamo, not to be confused with a chamois. Cham- I'm thinking <laughs> it was Chamu. Oh, I was thinking chamois, because it's C-H-A-M-O-U-X. Chamwow. Oh, that's what I meant, chamois. Yeah, from the infomercials. Yeah. Billy Mays, as well as another pimp by the name of Francois Albertini and another prostitute, a prostitute by the name of Annette Bassett. I wonder if she had a long nose and ears. But after Rayquois paid the fee for all four individuals, they walked into the residence at 21, whatever, and were never seen again. Okay. Thinking his friend had received safe passage in March of 1943, that Estebidi, and I see I can say it now, and his girlfriend, Giselle Rosny, I wonder if that's Giselle Bunchen, um, followed suit. The couple said their fee had van- couple said their fee had vanished into the residence as well. I don't know what that means. However, it didn't take long for Patois to start bragging that he had killed. Oh, after they paid their fee, they vanished. Uh, now I understand. Um, however, it didn't take long for Patois to start actually bragging that he had killed the pimps as well as their women when he claimed they were actually, quote, all Nazi collaborators. Dude. Which is what he said when the cops busted him, remember? Patois, though, man, he's straight out fucking gang- He's gangster, he man. He is gangster. Jesus Christ. He was saying that it was a matter of his patriotic duty to execute all six of those individuals. Um, Now... In April of 1943, a lot of the officers with the Gestapo began to report, quote, a great deal of talk in public about an organization which arranges clandestine crossings of the Spanish border by means of falsified Argentinian passports. Um, So the Nazis went to claim that, quote, the voyagers travel on neutral ships leaving from a port in Portugal in actuality, nobody was ever even leaving Paris. Okay? Alive. Right, right, right. I, I kind of yeah. got that. However, Robert Jodcombe, don't say anything, the agent for the Gestapo <laughs> didn't know that. He found a French Jew by the name of, I'm assuming it's Ivan Dreyfus, because it's Y-D-A-N, when he blackmailed to get his foot in the door whom he blackmailed to get his foot in the door with the network in the guise of seeking passage. That's like your one black friend. Your one black male friend. I hate you. Continue. Dreyfus up and vanished in May of 1943 without any trace as to where he could have gone. There were others that sought out the services of Dr. Patois and were never seen again as well. And they included... In July of 1941, Nellie Denise Houghton, a pregnant woman who had just gotten married, who was seeking an abortion. I'm assuming she either didn't want the baby 
from her husband or she was having an affair and got pregnant. Um, June 1942, Dr. Paul Leon Braunberger. He was an elderly Jewish man who was planning to flee along with his wife. However, he alone he was alone when he up and vanished from a subway station in Paris. Wait a minute. Like sandwiches or like the train? A train. They didn't have subway. I was it took me a minute to because <laughs> I was thinking about his name when I was like, wait a minute, he meant subway. Um in 1940 <laughs> Jared. In nineteen <laughs> July of nineteen forty two, just a month later, the Nellers a family of three German Jews seeking safe passage away from the Nazis. Um, their remain, the remains of their dismembered bodies were pulled from the Seine in August of that same year. Um, then there were three Wolf family members and six of their friends who disappeared. And then Joseph Parishy, P-I-E-R-E-S-C-H-I, Another pimp and his mistress, Josephine Amy Grippe, went missing. That's what they get for working his area. I know. Shit. It's my term. Yeah. There were the victim. These were the victims the authorities were actually able to identify. However, they by no means account for the total number of people who fell prey to Dr. Patois. In 1942 and 1943, a significant number of body parts were actually being dragged out of the Seine on a revolving basis. Um, almost like they were the Thames when Amelia Dyer was in, you know, active. Included in the dismemberment piece, member pieces were nine heads, four thighs, and a host of other smaller body parts. And a partridge in a pear is, tree. If they found nine heads and only four thighs, that's like part of a chicken, isn't it? Like a two bit. Two pieces and a biscuit. Goddamn Foster Farms. I know, dude. <laughs> Fucking A. Um, the findings were leaving the French authorities at a, at a loss as to what was going on, especially since most of them weren't identifiable. The Gestapo, for the most part, weren't very concerned with what was being pulled out of the river. They were more worried about the idea that Jews and resistance fighters were finding a way to escape and gain their freedom. They didn't give a fuck these these people were ending up dead. They just didn't want them to leave. It is because they are Jews. We've <laughs> talked about this before, Miss And Tommy. traitors. The traitors Jews. If they die, then they die. But escaping, that is not right, Miss Tommy. That is not when we can not put them tolerable. In, we can put them in a specialized um community they shall not be tolerated they will not be tolerated they're escaping in their insolence we will put them in a special community miss tammy where we will uh make sure that they are clean in the showers and nice and warm in the ovens that's right we will keep them nice and warm and it will be good for everybody by may of 1943 they had their sights set on patois quote fly talks network and they were prepared to spring their trap. Ha <laughs> ha. Got that? That was my own private joke. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Shut up. But <laughs> that's when you should go, aha, aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, wasn't secretive about the way he advertised his illegal services either. He was so blatant, in fact, that the network was easily infiltrated in early of 1943. I have an image in my head of him walking around with, a, with one of those uh, A-boards. Those yeah, the his, sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Sa- a sandwich bar going. 
Get your, your, your passport here. Get your passport here. Illegal. Safe passage to South America. Safe passage to South America. Get it here. Get it here. While it's hot. How about you, sir? You look like the a Jewish. Sign flippers or the extra, <laughs> extra read all about it. Right here. So step on up. Step on up. We can help everybody out. Yeah. So one of the informers who managed to get his foot in the door of the network was a Charles Beretta. Every step of he made further into the organization, he would feed the names back to the Gestapo. By May of 1943, the Nazis were able to arrest a guy by the name of Raoul Fourier, Edmund Pintard, and René Gustave Nezonde. These three were tortured relentlessly until they identified Patois as the doctor in charge. Um, It was actually, he went by Dr. George then. Jorge or whatever. Hello, Dr. Jorge. Yeah, Patois. Oh, sorry. I thought I was getting a text message. Patois was then taken into custody where he joined his friends at the prison located in Fresne, F-R-E-S-N-E-S. The Nazis stormed in and searched his residence and property. <coughs> However, they managed to miss the fact that he owned that house that he was burning people in. <laughs> Two weeks after Patois was taken into custody, Nezonde was released. However, Patois, Foyer, and Pintard were held for eight whole months. During that time, despite the torture they endured, they refused to give the Nazis any names of resistance members. To hear Patois during his murder trial, he stated his, quote, stubborn silence was not stubborn so much as plain ignorance. This hero didn't have any names to give his captors since his role in the movement was of great, no great significance. Despite if he did end up confessing anything to do with the network, um, it's most assuredly that it would have been equivalent to committing suicide. And a sick twist of events, the time he spent confined until he was released in January of 1944, actually provided him with the best cover story for his actions. The other key to Patois surviving on the run was his network of loyal... Okay, this is after he got busted in March. The key to Patois surviving on the run then was his network of loyal friends and patients. He relied on these individuals to provide him with places to stay while he set about growing a beard and adopting an alias to conceal his identity. He almost had, like, when you see his pictures, almost like that pointy, kind of like French beard from back in the day. But of course. You know. Continue. Yeah, he would eventually find a a more secure location when he was taken in by one of his patients by the name of Jorge Redotois, Redoute, R-E-D-O-U-T-E. Redotui? What the fuck? It could have been. I saw that movie. I did too. Patois had convinced the man to give him safe harbor by claiming that Gestapo was searching for him because he had, quote, killed Germans and informers. While living there, Patois only went outside at night and sometimes returned in the morning with weapons that he said were acquired from Nazi patrols. Um, when the Parisian police were besieged in August of 1944... At their prefecture by German troops and tanks, they went on strike. Um, That same month, Patois joined the new French forces of the interior under the name Henri-Henri Valéry. The 
FFI, the French Forces of the Interior, commit, actually commissioned him as a captain and put him in charge of interrogating prisoners in their core counter-espionage division in the district of something of Paris. Uh, the following month, the French capital was finally liberated and all the collaborators were purged. That put Patois right in the middle of all the action. So he's on the run, grew a beard, and now he's part of the people who are capturing people. But of course. Hiding in plain sight. Um, Dima, what's the best place to hide? In plain sight. If you're, Look you at, know. what's his name? Um, Alton Coleman. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, He targeted people in, like, black neighborhoods because he was black and blended black guy, in. Yeah. yeah. We, we brought this up before when I've been talking about, like, Canada. Oh, yeah. Like the Calgary area, man. If I commit a crime there, they're going, it's a big, fat, bald, white guy. They're going to be like, huh, that's great. That's Canada. That's, yeah. That's fucking, you, you describe most of Canada. But, it, however, if they said, hey, it's a black guy wearing, like, green Nikes, and he had really short, cropped hair. That's Leroy. He lives over on 35th Street. And in apartment 3B. We'll go get him right now. Yeah. yeah because fucking, I blend in. But yeah. Black people, not so much. There's like six in the whole country. Yeah. Paulie from Jersey Shore has a nice pair of Nikes I want to get. Like the color and shit. They were green, but I liked them. You don't deserve them because you don't have a ghetto card. Oh, honey, I have a ghetto card. Whatever. I've got a ghetto card with my, with my new rap partner, Notorious P.I.G. No, dude. No. Continue. Anywho. Nobody likes you. Everybody loves you. Because you smell. <laughs> Shut up. Not long after that, Patois' cover began to fall apart a little bit. That September, two of his fellow FFI soldiers chose to rob the mayor of Tessencourt. Uh, they stole one or 12.5 million francs in cash as well as a valuable collection of stamps before they murdered the man in front of a group of witnesses. Holy fuck. Yeah, three of the local youth actually went to Patois in the capacity of Captain Valeri, and he threw those informers in jail, the kids in jail. God damn. Yeah. When the FFI lieutenant showed up on site to investigate, uh, the, quote, captain immediately ordered him off the case, because, you know, captain's higher than a lieutenant. Yes. And the two criminals were held for a short amount of time before he released them. That's when the two men and all of their money vanished. Within three days following the robbery murder, the Resistance newspaper published an article about Patois the Fugitive. <coughs> the article referred to him as a, quote, soldier of the Reich. Um, when it talked about how he had supposedly put on an, quote, and an SS uniform to hunt down and target some French patriots in the area of Avignon back in March of 1943, back when he got busted for the blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Patois wrote a letter to a member of his defense team during that time, during his 1942, who was a member of his defense team during his 1942 cases. This is Rene Florio, F-L-O-R-I-O-T, received the letters and called the article that called the article in the paper just a bunch of quote filthy kraut lies not my quote his quote so let me get this right honey i'm german i'm part german and dutch whatever you have one black friend i eat kraut for a living you have one black friend you have one gay friend you make fun of people i don't make fun of them when you're ordering food 
that is native to their lands of which they come. I don't mean. And now you're making fun of even Germans. Is you have no shame, honey? I tr- I actually tried. T- I don't know what it is about me, but when I hear an accent, accent, I almost like try to. It's your racism coming out. That's no, what it's it is. Not. I think it's because I want to like blend in and communicate with the people. Oh, oh, I want to blend in. <laughs> I do with, it in the South, too. I want to blend in with you, senor. Um, no, I'll dude. take a taco. I think it has to do with growing up in a Korean well, family. Hold on. I do actually, you speak slowly to him, too? No, I don't. I will take I actually a try to speak taco, as fast as I can. a burrito, and two enchiladas. <laughs> and make sure they're in the tortillas. Can I no. get spare... Tortillas with that and some guacamole. <laughs> You're so fucking stupid. No, I think it has to do with growing up in a Korean household and actually learning a foreign language that, you know, growing up with a foreign language. That you, you actually start to try to do the accent so you sound more native. That so way, shut the fuck up. That way that you get one noodle. <laughs> okay, right. I fucking hate you. And fish stew. And fish stew. I miss my fish. I miss my grandma's fish, fish stew. Hominy's fish, fish stew. I dated a chick like that. She was a fish stew. She had That's fish stew. Gross. Yeah, it didn't last very long. No. So, oh no! <laughs> I'm Whenever you to I was sick, Hominy made fish stew, which has a bunch of kimchi and shit, and it clears you right up. Uh, this letter to the attorney convinced <laughs> the law enforcement that Patois was actually still in the Paris area. With this new information, the authorities launched another search for the wanted man, and they drafted who. FFI Captain Henri Valerie to join in the hunt. So this guy was hunting for himself. himself. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, yeah. man. Patois, I mean, this actually kind of cracked me up a little bit. It's already cracked. I can see him. Yeah. He's not over here. But actually, <laughs> when you on. see pictures of him without his beard, he does look very different. Oh. I mean, kind of like you. I mean, even when you had your full beard, you had kind of a chubby looking face. Right. But... With with your goatee, it actually looks thinner. And I'm wondering if that's because you draw your vision. You know what I mean? The eye line down. I draw the eye line down to my awesome boobies. Right here. Oh, yes. Honey. No, oh. dude. No. No. Where's the butter? I want to rub my nipples. No. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, dude. Your boobs are one step away from a relative of mine who never met a bra that she liked. Cool. Introduce me to her. Okay. Send, send her over. No, she's in Iowa. Let's go. Ah, I don't want to go to Iowa. Oh, Iowa on. scares me, man. I know, dude. Scares me. And I'm from there. Fuck it. Oh. Say it. No, before I go on. So, the, uh, that place I delivered to in Myrtle Point, mm-hmm. that where mm-hmm. Lakeland works, mm-hmm. there's a guy who works there whose name is Malachi. Oh, dude. No way. I never knew what his name was. I would was. fucking run. I would never deliver. I If I did, I would fucking stand at the street with a lot of witnesses. I so wanted to look at him and go, they want you too, Malachi. I know. I always say that. Every time I hear that phrase, I go, he wants you too, Malachi. And what's his name? Isaac? Yeah, was Isaac. The other guy? A, he's the, a leader. Yeah. The black, the dark haired guy. Oh, the black kid? Is, is that what you're going to say? No, he I said black. the black haired guy that was hung Whatever. up by the blue Two. man. Whatever racist. Next, crucified on. next to the blue man. Whatever racist. Fuck Who cuts Klan rally. Shut up. I grew up in Iowa where that film was filmed. 
And probably they have a lot of clan members there, too. More and more. I don't know. Sense about you. They have a lot of cornfields, though. I bet you they had not a lot of black people because you have that one black friend. Actually, there were actually only two African-American kids mm-hmm. in my school growing up. Yep. They had to meet the quota. That's why you got the one. Literally. And um, one of the guys' names was Al Sid. And he, we were in speech class one time or English class. I can't remember. And we were reading some book and actually the cover was black and he goes, I want everybody to know that this is black. I am Brown. <laughs> it was so funny. He was amazing though. He was awesome. Then you guys burnt a freaking cross on his fucking lawn. And no dude, up I loved I him. He was so awesome. You're racist. Continue racist. I don't even want to tell you what his brother used to say, but his brother used to say, why do black people always have a reputation for eating fried chicken and watermelon? Then he'd look at his friend and go, want to go to KFC? <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking funny, man. Yeah, I loved his brother, too. Um, let's see here. Patois' def- oh, wait. Uh, Patois life as a fugitive came to a stop at approximately 10.15 a.m. on October 31st. He was at a metro station in Paris when somebody recognized him and he was arrested. When he was taken to the station, the police found a pistol... 31,700 francs and at least 50 documents and six different aliases on his person. Now that he was in, yeah, now that he was in custody was the time to begin. It was time to begin searching for the truth. Um, Patois defense team decided to center their entire strategy on absolute innocence. Go figure, not insanity, but innocence. He is innocent. Of killing people. Of, oh, I yeah, mean, of letting, killing people. No, that's of right. letting people go. Um, he readily admitted that he had killed, quote, enemies of France as a member of the resistance. However, he adamantly denied being involved with murdering anyone for profit. Patois claims that he wasn't even aware there were corpses being stashed at the property until he was released from the, from Nazi custody in 19, February 1944. His perfect him. cover when he was... Yeah, I know, believe him. Yeah, whatever. Patois stated that the dead were all, quote, collaborators uh, that had been murdered and dumped by other members of the network. However, they weren't able to verify his claims since they were all these, all these, he says, all these people are scattered to the wind, so you can't even verify what I'm saying, but trust me. It makes sense, though. Dude, like Gallegos, trust me, I'm a good guy. Well, okay, think about it. I I don't know how their judicial system works, but you're... They have a three-panel judge and seven jurors. Innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, so supposed unless to be. they can prove that he was actually the one who did it, mm-hmm. what better defense? Hey, look, I don't know what the fuck was going on, but yeah. apparently these other people were stashing bodies up at my ba- up at my place. You know, wow, that is a shocker to me. And yeah. even though everybody might be sitting there going, no, no, it's not yeah, a shocker. No. You're a lying motherfucker. Try proving it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, prove that shit. Well, um, actually, France, you'll learn a little later on, actually has a system kind of like the Germans do with their the prosecutors. Do they have concentration camps? No, the prosecutors are not only the state prosecutors or country prosecutors. They actually have a panel of attorneys for the victims that are prosecuting as well. Oh. Yeah, go figure. Was when, it the same in the 1930s and 40s and shit? Yeah, you'll find out here in a minute. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine being prosecuted by not only one or two DAs, but a group of fucking attorneys after your ass? I uh, see. I would stand up because I'm a dick. Look, I heard this shit the first fucking time. Sit your fucking fring- your French ass down. Just wait till you find out what Patois said. 
Tell me about what birth yeah. was it. Yeah. Um, that's when he also called his brother Maurice, Maurice excuse me, in to help him by bringing over some quicklime so that he could dissolve the remains the, and hide the odor of the people he found laying on the floor. Because they all stinky. Yeah. The authorities held Patois on the on death row until unit at the Sante prison while they conducted their investigation into his claims. Ironically, for a man who claimed to be such a, quote, patriotic hero, they couldn't find any members of the resistance leadership that actually could defend a story. They didn't even know. Because they were scattered to the wind. Yeah. Did you, did you not catch that part of it? No, listen. When all of these leaders were questioned, the Spaniards were scattered to the wind. When these guys were questioned, they either knew of him as a small-time hanger-on or a straight-up fraud if they knew him at all. Yeah, plausible deniability. You got the fucking, you got the Nazis going around and shit like that. You want to distance yourself? No, I dig. I, I dig. He's he's innocent. Poor Marcel. Mm-hmm. I feel sorry for you, man. I was, I was framed. He was framed. Framed, framed, framed. Richie Valens. When the investigators looked into the other groups that Patois had described, they proved to be fictitious. In fact, they couldn't find any records of his supposed bombing missions, the assassinations of any Nazis or even the tests he said he did on many of his, quote, secret weapons. They eventually determined that his stories were just that, stories, and they filed charges against him. He wound up facing 27 charges of murder for plunder. You'll find out some more here in a minute. Um, As there was approximately 200 million francs, as well as jewels and gold that had never been recovered. 200 million uh, March 18th of 1946 marked the first day of Patois' trial at the Palais de Justice. And he was facing a seven-man jury as well as a panel of three court justices. Flore was the lead attorney on his defense counsel once again. And the prosecution team was aided by 12 civil attorneys that were hired by family members of the doctor's victims. I feel bad for him. Yeah. No, let me tell you why, man. You're already being put through the ringer by the state's attorney. Right. For for lack of better words. I don't know. They might call him uh, law state attorney resistance or whatever the fuck the, they, they, they call him, you know, with French bread. Um, <laughs> now you got to hear. Oil. Yeah, a little bit of olive oil. You, now you got to hear some bullshit from the victim's attorneys as well. That's kind of beating a dead horse. That's That's just what I'm thinking. Why can't they just all come together, have one talking head that comes and says, look, this is what we think the motherfucker did. This is our goddamn proof against it. We all agree on it. And they can be like, we, we all agree. And Yeah, uh, it's almost like he was being charged for wrongful death at the same time that he was being charged for murder. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just kind of redundant. Yeah. So Patois even... Maybe I'm not seeing it right. I mean, I'm, I don't live no. in France, so fucking I, maybe I'm not seeing it right. right. Which I always thought if O.J. Simpson would have been brought up on wrongful <laughs> murder, I mean, wrongful death charges first, he would have gotten convicted in a court of law. But that's my own personal if opinion. If the club don't fit, you must have quit. I won't lie. I'll testify. Because I've, I've heard of a couple other people that have were brought up on wrongful death before they were tried and they were guilty. <laughs> Some of the things... Uh, wait. Patois even took a highly active role when it came to his own defense instead of shutting the fuck up. God damn it. He bantered back and forth with the prosecutors and the judges, questioned witnesses, and 
actively exchange barbs with the private prosecuting attorneys. Okay, here's the thing. Uh, this is for our future serial killers. If you get caught, when you get caught, because it's got to happen, and plus send us emails and shit because we want to interview you directly um, once you kill people. Before you get caught. Before you get caught. Um, when you do get caught and you're in court, shut the fuck up. Yeah, attorneys strongly advise against testifying because, A, you can bring up your past charges then, past criminal history, mm -hmm. but also unless you have a very compelling testimony and cannot be, you know, flustered under pressure from the right. from the prosecutors, they don't want you to speak because prosecutors turn your word, twist your words. Exactly. So any, do cops, by the way. Any attorney that is worth his weight, you know, that's even worth a, a spit on the sidewalk, will sit there and go, look, you're not going to get up on the stand. Sit here. Don't do anything. Shut your goddamn mouth. Don't even fucking breathe. Yeah. Just don't. Do and a fucking thing. Don't make the mistake when you first get arrested thinking, oh, I'll just tell them the truth. No. As no. soon as you have those handcuffs on your person and they read you your rights, say, I want an attorney. Yeah. Because you know, you know what's going to happen when you sit there? I'm going to go down and I'm going to straighten this shit out myself. No, no they'll tw I made that you're mistake. You're going to do 20 to life. That's what the fuck yeah. you're going to do. You're, I was going to spend 10 minutes not at the police station to just talk to them about what I knew. And I spent four years in jail. Yeah, exactly, man. The second... The second yeah, it's the goes, longest 10 minutes of my entire life. They go, ah, you are under arrest. You go, I want to turn you. I'm not saying nothing to you. Well, we can sort this all out if you just, no, no. Well, see, I wasn't even under arrest until I got to the police station. And then they were asking me some questions. And then all of a sudden they read me my rights. And I'm like, what are you doing? And <laughs> yeah, then, attorney, oh, huh? yeah, no, then. And then I probably looked like a sociopath because I had cried so much. I fell I actually, they left the room and I ended up falling asleep because I cried so much, Holy like shit. sobbed. <laughs> but then I look back and think, oh, they probably thought I was a sociopath because so I fell asleep. So we that for you, boys and girls. This is, a, this is also not just for our All serial killers. All in this episode. <laughs> if you get arrested for anything. Yeah, anything. The second they say, come down to the police department. Even go, if it's for petty theft. Yeah, go, no problem. I am going to invoke my Fifth Amendment rights. Mm -hmm. I want an attorney. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying a damn thing. And don't say anything except for basic information. Your name, your date of birth. They say not even to say that. No shit. Yeah, they say as soon as you read your Miranda rights, you are supposed to say, I want an attorney. Yeah, it's probably a good idea, man. Yeah. Let your attorney sort that shit yeah. out. Why? Because you're not a motherfucking attorney. Attorneys get paid to do that shit. Fucking do it. And so number two, they will take any little thing you say and <laughs> twist it to make you sound like you're, you know, so you get flustered. Oh, no. Uh, they did that in the report when I got my second DV mm -hmm. um, because the uh, the officer put down that I was highly aggressive. And I, dude, Is that I when you threw the lamp at yourself? Yeah, that's when I supposedly threw the lamp at myself when that wasn't the case. I was very cooperative. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I didn't resist, they said, okay, we're going to put you under arrest. Said, okay, let's fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> no need to handcuff me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was so, I mean, cause, and then in my case, the problem, the thing that got me in trouble is they told me that somebody told them something, which is a complete fabrication of what really happened. And I believe this person really said that cause I hated the twat. Um, and so I was like, bitch, that didn't happen. This is what happened. Cause I hate when people lie to me or lie about me. So that's what got me in trouble. Yeah. I know, dude. 
Yeah. They pushed my the right button with me. Pretty easy. Hey, anyway, go go ahead. Let's finish up. We're pretty far into this fucking episode. I'm almost done. Thank goodness. Yeah. Well, if you wouldn't have restarted it last time, I might have been a lot further along. <sighs> you make my hemorrhoids flare up. Anyways. Uh, okay. Patois even took a... Oh, I already said that. Some of the things Patois said in court were utterly appalling. He said <laughs> the lawyer working for the Kite family, K-H-A-I-T, was simply a double agent as well as a defender of Jews. He went on to say that Joseph Riocroix, another Vic the pimp, the first pimp, was easy, easy to spot as a collaborator. He had a head like a pimp, you know, like a police inspector. <laughs> made no sense to me. I didn't know pimps had specific looking heads. Look at him over there with that big old pimp head yeah, going on I've in his shit. I've known a couple of pimps in my life, and I didn't know they had specific looking heads. Oh, well, yeah, man. They, they all come equipped with those big crushed velvet hats. <laughs> Big purple hats and, and the leisure suits and, and the, leisure the suit. yeah and the wingtip shoes. And it's really weird because whenever they walk, you always hear <laughs> and they have that swagger. That's right. Yeah, you just... that one arm swinging swagger. Right, man. Like when a pimp is born, they automatically get that hat, that big purple velvet hat. You know, I believe you because uh, what's his name had one of those hats. Um, Huggy Bear from Sarskin Hutch. No. Um, Iceberg Slim. He was, yeah, he was an old pimp back in the day. He got, he's wrote a couple no, of books. No fucking idea. You need who to read the book about. Pimp someday. It's no, really I don't. awesome. No, it's really cool. No, I need yeah. to read books on how to pick up, you know, 18 year old girls and get them into my car. No, he my tells truck. you how to keep a freaking nice supply of uh, stable. Cool. That's going to be my next business venture. Okay. <laughs> Patois even claimed that Joaquin. Gushinov, another alleged victim, was alive and well. When he was asked why the man couldn't be found, he merely smirked as he said, South America is a big place. It is. Yeah, so that's why his victim couldn't be found. The rest of the trial was pretty much the same. When prosecutors asked Patois to tell them about his, quote, secret weapons, he flat out refused to do so, saying... Quote, the information could only be used against France if he did. Um, he completely dismissed the Wolf family. They were, in fact, Dutch Jews on the run from Nazi persecution. However, he claimed they were Germans. Um, when they asked him about Ivan Dreyfus, Patois said the man was, quote, a traitor four times over. In regards to Kurt Neller, he suffered from some sort of quote, embarrassing affliction. When pressed for more details, Patois refused to go into detail. According to him, the entire family had returned to Germany and were, quote, getting ready for the next war. That could be. You know, because the Germans are going to start wars all the time. Of course, Um, that's what Germans do. No, we don't, says We were doing what was best for Germany, and you know that. No, no, you weren't. You were capturing goddamn Jews and experimenting on them. You say tomato, I say tomato. <laughs> I am saying that we are saying the same thing, but we don't start wars all the time. Shut up and let her finish this goddamn episode, will you? Because it's running on really fucking long. Fine. I will say it over here and be quiet, then, Scott. I don't know what your problems For a are. <laughs> Please continue, Miss Dummies. I said shut up. Okay. Fine. I'm shutting up. He now. loves me. He had only met Dr. Brownberger. Uh, for 10 minutes in his entire life at a luncheon they had both attended. 
Patois said he had no earthly idea how the man's clothing was found at the house, you know, with the furnace. None of the fugitives that had survived his Underground Railroad were able to be tracked down because, you know, they changed their names frequently. That Obviously, makes sense. Yeah. And I can tell you how his clothes wound up there. Mm-hmm. Orgy. Shut up. It's happened to me. I've forgotten. Uh, uh, hypothetically speaking, it could have happened to me because I may have left underwear here and there and everywhere. Dude. You left some in my car. Um, Just your, kidding. Your mom was supposed to take those with her. Shut up. When the Chief Justice, Judge Michelle Lesser, you know, M-I-C-H-E-L. He's, he's the lesser of the Michelles. I know, right? Caught him doodling in court and chastised him. Hold on. What kind of doodling are we talking? Like doodling like little girls and boys or doodling on a piece of paper? Like the doodler. Or doodling on the floor like, you know. I'm serving it was on a piece of paper because he snapped at the judge and said, I am listening, but it doesn't really interest me very much. God damn. Fucking gangster, dude. Yeah. The trial was only into its second day when some of... Some reporters present happened to hear two members of the jury talking to the judge, and Patois was the subject matter. Uh, the reporters heard them refer to the man as a quote demon and a quote and quote an appalling murderer. When his attorney found out about the conversation, he called for a mistrial, and the motion was promptly rejected. Um, the two jurors in question were just replaced, and the trial resumed. It was decided on the fifth day that the proceedings would be held on location. So they went down to the house. And when Patois was walking amongst the throng of police and unhappy neighbors, he was overheard saying, peculiar homecoming, don't you think? <laughs> See, that that is some fucking, that's, that's some villainous at a Batman well, shit. And it's like he thinks he's above it. So to give the peculiar man a little credit, he did maintain his stance as a true patriotic hero. Up until the end. Uh, He openly admitted that he did, in fact, murder 19 of the 27 victims in question. However, he had only done so because they were Germans and collaborators, his common theme here. In fact, he said the 19 were among the, quote, uh, 63 enemies of France. He admits to murdering between 1940 and 1945. When he was questioned about the other 44 victims that weren't named, he told the courts, Quote, I don't have to justify myself for murders I'm not accused of committing. Well, that's true. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> By that time, it seems he had said more than he probably should have. Uh, his attorney's closing argument once again summed up the concept of Patois being a bona fide hero of the French resistance. When he was finished with his speech, there was actually a standing ovation from the crowd because they were all French and they thought he was, you know, I hear la resistance. Yeah. The jury and the three-panel judge weren't as moved by his statements. Listen to this, Scott. They broke... Are you paying attention to me? What? Listen. The jury and the three-panel judge weren't as moved by his statements. They broke for deliberation and returned with their verdict after only three hours. Now, I know we've been on a mission since the episode that featured Amelia Dyer to find a deliberation that would take less than 4.5 minutes, right? I was right? going to say, not impressed. Take no, wait. Four minutes. However, maybe this will qualify. Patois was on trial for a combined 135 criminal charges, which means the jury deliberated on average 90 seconds for each charge. You know what? I changed what I said. France, good job. You beat Dyer. 
Yeah, considering one hundred thirty-five criminal charges, they had to go through each one, and it took ninety seconds. God, you know what? People love France. Yeah, because that's fucking impressive. Yeah, kind of what I said. I was like, "Holy shit, Scott's gonna love this." I love it. Somebody actually beat it by like a lot. I was thinking a like, lot, a lot. Now, if they could beat ninety seconds, I doubt it. I doubt it too. But I, I tell you, I would have been impressed if they would have said it, it was an average of like four minutes even. I'd be like. Impressive. That's good. Good job. 90 fucking seconds. Jesus H. Yeah, that's Christ. enough time to read the charge and say guilty. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. That's all so they got to do. Let's just go guilty, 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 guilty. Yeah, guilty. pretty much. In the end, the jury found Patois guilty on 124 of the 135 charges. He was acquitted of the charges involving the murder of Nellie Denise Houghton. By the time the jury was finished reading the verdict, a death sentence was virtually guaranteed. However, to look at Patois on that day, he didn't seem like he was phased by the sentence he was handed at all. Um, his attorney tried his best to appeal the court's decision. In the appeal, he cited two specific complaints. The court should have granted a mistrial as soon as it was made aware of the chief justice and two jurors publicly stating their opinion of Patois' guilt. And number two, when Marguerite, Braunberger, as well as her maid, had perjured themselves when they testified that Braunberger was dead and alive and well in South America. Maybe she is. He. He. Yeah, it, the high whatever. courts actually rejected all the complaints and upheld Patois' death penalty. The day before the final jan- judgment was handed down, um, before they were going to kill him, the prison guards performed a pat-down search of Patois' person and found he had a vial concealed in the folds of his uniform. At first, they assumed the liquid inside was cyanide. But when it was tested, it turned out to be a minor sedative. It seems Patois had smuggled it in with him when he was arrested and kept it on hand. Well, he didn't try to sneak it in in a fucking wooden leg or anything like we've uh, reported No, on probably in his prison pocket. <laughs> Up the old pooper. Yeah. The guard said he seemed very calm when he smiled and asked, <laughs> no, listen, you think? when are they going to assassinate me? He even refused to have a priest or clergy present, present saying that he preferred not, he preferred to take his baggage with him. Um, Patois' original execution was scheduled for the day his appeal was formally rejected. However, as luck would have it, the guillotine had a malfunction earlier that morning. How did they know? Did they like test it dropping? Yeah, probably. Slice open a watermelon. So they postponed his. Death. Whoa, 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 what? Soap and a watermelon? I'm... Slice open a watermelon. I swear to God, you said, "Is it like soap and a watermelon?" Whoa, that's a story you got to tell because soapy watermelons. No, I've never even fucking said, heard of that shit. Slice open a watermelon. Okay, go ahead, soapy watermelon. Um, on May twenty fifth, around three thirty a.m., the prison procured a portable guillotine. Within one hour, it like was... like go down to United Rentals and shit? <laughs> Home Depot. They're like, hey, I need to rent a guillotine. Okay, they're right next to the snowblowers and uh, in between that and the uh, and the lawnmowers. Just, you know... Snowblower was, a, was the code word I used when I wanted my, deal, my, my main supplier to bring me dope. That is fucking awesome. Yeah, I'd say there's a price... There's a blue light special on snowblowers right now. There's a $75 deposit on your guillotine, and we're going to keep that unless you bring it back clean. So make sure you clean that up when you're done, okay? Now sign here. Yeah, so within one hour, it was set up and ready to perform adequately. (laughs) 
The executioner summoned Patois from his cell and he refused to accept the glass of rum that is traditionally offered to a condemned inmate. However, he did accept a cigarette when it was offered. Then, for the sake of his wife, when they offered him clergy that time, he agreed to meet with the chaplain. When the minister was taking, talking to him about his salvation, he said, I am not a religious man and my conscience is clean. Oh, okay, as long as his yeah. conscience is clear. Yeah, it was only a matter of minutes um, before the closing ritual was complete, then before Patois had his hands tied, neck shaved, and the collar cut off his shirt, he signed the register. He walked calmly up the stairs of the guillotine. One of the witnesses in attendance was Dr. Albert Paul, the actual coroner who was in charge of processing the victims. Oh, whoa, whoa. Why do you even need a coroner if your goddamn head's getting cut off? Like, for real. Like, uh, hey, But what if I'm... he ran around like a chicken later and they needed to make sure he was dead dead? Does that happen often? I mean, I've never heard of somebody. Well, considering the they strapped him down, I don't think so. I'm not thinking anybody's like getting up after the guillotine. I'm pretty sure that's a that's a one time ride right there. Yeah. One. No, the corn. Okay. Anyways, he noted later that Patois moved with ease as though he were walking into his office for a routine appointment. Now, right before he was strapped down on the sliding table for the guillotine, Patois looked at the people there to observe his death and said. Gentlemen, I ask you not to look. This will not be very pretty. At least he didn't say hurry up, you hoosier bastards. Would have been better if he did. I know. Then at precisely 5.05 a.m., the blade dropped. Everyone who witnessed the execution said Patois was smiling as his head tumbled into the basket. Brutal. Yeah. He went out like a man, though. Yeah, he probably was high on the sedative, but whatever. And high on life. Yeah, no. Poor, poor misunderstood Marcel de Twat. I mean, de, de Twat. Yeah, no, whatever. The guy was a pimp. His head looked like one. No, I'm he kidding. was straight Dude, out he was pimping, straight man. up gangster. He was. Fuck yeah. He was like, you know what? Fuck you guys. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Say what you want. Holy shit, Yeah, man. I think he did all that because he thought they would literally find him Innocent, I mean, guilty by reason of insanity, well, like he had always been before. He's always been before, man. Why but I not? think that was his problem because he didn't go with the insanity defense. He went with the innocent defense. Yeah, he should have went, I'm crazy. I have a history of being crazy. I'm crazy, wild and crazy guy. And I'm rolling back my prices at my office because we're having crazy fucking Wasn't price that teams. night at the Roxbury? I'm a wild and crazy guy. Uh, no, that was Steve Martin. I know, but he was in Night at the Roxbury. Was he? I think so. I can't remember, to be honest. Oh. But anyways, yeah. No, that's my whole thing. And I honestly believe that he was a total nature guy. Naturally an idiot. And naturally a killer. Yeah, Yeah. I gotta agree with that, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. That's my thingy. Yeah, about time. Jesus Christ, I lost all the goddamn questions I was going to ask because this is like an eight-hour fucking episode. It's your fault. It's not my fault. You shouldn't I, have erased the last two. I was the over first here. Two. I masturbated three times and ate five meals I know, and had three business took out meetings. My eye. While you were doing this, it's fucking long as shit. All right, remember you can send us an email at brutalnation at twistedbluellc.com. Check out the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. Click on that goddamn Amazon link. And please support us on Patreon because, you know, that's what will keep our show going. You like hearing me 
present and Scott be an idiot, uh, then people love my sense of humor. Please support our show. And you don't have to do the top tier because that's just you know that's pretty. Yeah, no, that was Jesus that's just Christ. a bonus for those who you know. We're rolling in the dough. Yeah, we um, have some cheaper <laughs> tiers. Yeah, look for our blogs. They're everywhere, including Medium, Crime Beat. That's on Medium. That's just our favorites. Um, that's it. Yeah, this show's copyright 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will talk to you boys and girls later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.